And welcome into Hoopsville, everybody. Hope you have had a good week so far. I'm your host, Dave McHugh. We're out of the Hoopsville studios, as we always are in the greater Baltimore area. I want to thank everybody for tuning in to yet another episode of Hoopsville. Um, of course, presented by D3Hoops.com, the National Association of Basketball Coaches, though we hope to have a future announcement about a little bit of a change to all of that. Plenty more to talk about down the road, but I want to thank you. Uh, regarding that, I should say. But thank you for tuning in. Nonetheless, got lots to talk about. Let's talk about the guests that are going to be on tonight's show. More than 1,247 wins combined on the women's side amongst two guests. They will be on the show tonight. We will be talking to Messiah's women's basketball coach, Mike Miller. Uh, a bit of a shout-out to last year's Hoopsville fundraising efforts, which we will talk about a little later in the program as well. We will also have Wash. Uh, by the way, he's won 552 games, or 555 games, I should say. We will also talk to Nancy Fay, women's head coach at the number 11th ranked Wash U Bears. She's won 692, you know, wins. No big deal. Lots of wins between the two of them. We will talk to both of them. Of course, Nancy Fay will discuss coaching for 30 years. So will Mike Miller, who has coached for 30 years. Find out why Mike Miller was only supposed to coach one year at Messiah. Funny story. We'll be talking to him and Nancy coming up. We'll also talk to Babson, um, head coach. You'll notice number 11th, WashU, number uh, 6, Babson. In the top, I'm sorry, number 11, Babson. So two number 11s there. Stephen Brennan will be talking to us about his Beaver squad uh, and what they're expecting from the season. Um, certainly know that they are a good team, and we expect them to uh, um, perform, as it were. Talk about Joey Flannery, obviously, and, and some of the new faces on the squad. And then also we will be talking to um, Ohio Wesleyan's Mike DeWitt. Mike will come on the show, talk about their hot start, including a dominating win over Worcester. I do not think the win over Worcester, the score, is indicative of how much Ohio Wesleyan controlled that game. Augustana also played Whitewater. We'll talk about that game and the upcoming game as well. Um, question from our good friend Ira. Will the first place New Jersey City men's basketball team that beat Rutgers, Newark, and William Patterson get a shout-out. Well, they're getting a shout-out now, Ira. Yes, I was about to go through the top 25 list, and one of the items on the men's side to point out was that New Jersey City defeated William Patterson by 6, 70-64. That game was at New Jersey City. Um, Ira, I will tell you this much about New Jersey City. The last few years I've been told to buy into that squad. And lo and behold, they fall apart on me. So I'm not buying in just yet off of a William Patterson win. However, pretty impressive that they are on top of the end, Jack, as we speak. William Patterson, I said this in my blog. Oh, I don't know what to do with the Pioneers. I think they're a very talented squad, but clearly in a little bit of disarray. Maybe should have taken more stock into them barely beating Rosemont. Not that Rosemont isn't well coached by Bobby Hughes. And that team isn't going places. I, William Patterson should have beaten them by more than two is what I'm getting at. Um, we will see. I left William Patterson in my top 25, except I am looking for chinks in the armor. This might have been another chink in the armor that I need to take a look at. We'll look at how they do the rest of the season. But thanks to Ira's 
transition for us. Let's talk about what's happened in the top 25s. New top 25 polls came out. Something nobody's talking about on the chat boards, even I haven't mentioned it, but I found interesting, is that the Amherst two votes for first place left them and went to Augustana in the top 25 on the men's side. So now Augustana is a unanimous number one pick, despite not being unanimous number one pick in the preseason. On the women's side of things, the unanimous number one pick in Thomas Moore has lost a vote to Oshkosh, which I find interesting. Now, there could be some things going on behind the scenes that I'm not aware of, but that's certainly of significance. Um, but Augustana on the men's side, now they're clear number one. They have a 52-point lead, which basically means nobody's got anybody, pretty, pretty much none of the voters have anybody ahead of Augustana for Obviously, they all have number one, but I mean, nobody number two is clearly number two because um, Whitworth and St. Thomas are two points separated. 573 for Whitworth, 571 for St. Thomas. So really tight at the top there. 548 for um, Amherst, 511 for Hope. By the way, then a dramatic drop off, 104 points down to Ohio Wesleyan. So that kind of shows you between fifth and sixth and everybody else. It's it's a it's a free for all. I think everybody has an idea of who the top five is. Maybe not an exact order. This has Augustana, Whitworth, St. Thomas, Amherst, Hope. My order was August Augustana, Whitworth, Hope, St. Thomas, Amherst. So you kind of get an idea. I think everybody's got the top five. They just have them in different orders, two through five, and then it's a free for all. Uh, St. John Fisher, who I had I had bought in a little bit more to, they move up to number ten. And then got beat by Rochester Tech. Now, this is what I tweeted out um, when the night it happened. My point was basically, so talk about parody. St. John, uh, Rochester Tech defeats St. John Fisher. Goucher, at the very beginning of the season, my alma mater, beat Rochester Tech. We're talking about RIT here. Does that mean Goucher can beat St. John Fisher? Uh, probably not. But it shows you some of the parody going on. By the way... Rochester was down 20 in that game, went on a massive run to get to within four points with about, what, four minutes left, I think? And this was the opening of the Wendy's Classic, and RIT held on to win that. So St. John Fisher taking an unexpected loss. Um, you'll remember they were the top seed in that. Um, three of the four top seeds on the men's side lost <laughs> at the Wendy's Classic. All four of the top seeds on the women's side won. So free-for-all there. You go down to number 17, Salisbury, another team I bought into. Another tweet I sent out, just when I'm buying into teams. They can't win a game. They lose to number 21, Christopher Newport, 71-60. One person, um, another voter, kind of made a comment to me saying, hey, well, I expected Salisbury to win that, or Christopher Newport to win that. I had him ahead of Chris Salisbury anyway. Yeah, I, I, you could certainly say Christopher Newport, not a big surprise to win that. I didn't have CNU in my top 25. I was kind of waiting for this game. Um, but I thought Salisbury would beat him on the road and Christopher Newport would return the favor later in the season. So next week, if everything held true, maybe Christopher Newport will certainly be in my top 25 unless something happens this weekend. Salisbury will probably remain as well, but it's just, it's funny. Sometimes I buy into teams and bang, they take a loss almost immediately. Go down to number 22 Catholic. Now they're three and three. They lose to Susquehanna 87, 81, two notes on that. Salisbury or Catholic is not living up to expectations. I don't know if there's something wrong. I don't know if what's going on. I can't read it from the outside. Have not talked to Coach Hughes necessarily, or Howes, I should say, necessarily about that to see what's going on. But nonetheless, um, Catholic 
playing with fire at 3-3. Three and three. They've already taken a lot of losses. If they cannot wrap up the Landmark Conference this season, they aren't going to make the NCAA tournament if they keep this up. They're taking too many out-of-conference losses and not necessarily the teams that are going to help them. Now, Susquehanna was picked to finish second in the conference, so maybe not a shocking loss internally if you if you catch my drift, but certainly a surprise Catholic will be out of the top 25 nonetheless. They do have Moravian coming up this weekend. And Whitewater lost to, uh, to Augustana. I watched some of this game. Uh, Whitewater led by one at halftime, but then Augustana changed gears in the second half. Um, Whitewater's got a pretty good defense, but they just could not stop Augustana in the second half. The Vikings rolled all over them in the second half, ended up defeating them by 20. And really, I, it didn't even feel like 20, to be honest. There were times at Whitewater or Augustana was just having whatever way they wanted. So, the, you know, already four losses in the top 25. We have a number of losses in the receiving votes category. 59 teams total receiving votes in the top 25. So there's more teams outside of the top 25 getting votes than are inside the top 25. Just tells you how crazy it is. Seven teams in the top 25 I didn't even vote for. I didn't vote for seven of the teams that made the top 25. Um it starts as high as number 13, WPI. Didn't vote for him. Number uh, six, uh, seven, uh, where do we go here? Hold on. Uh, 13 was WPI, I've, and then I voted yes, yes, yes. I didn't vote for 18, Trinity. I, did, I didn't vote for 19, NYU. Don't know why they're being, listen, they haven't played anybody. They really haven't. They haven't played anybody. Um, they're getting votes anyway. I didn't vote for Franklin and Marshall. Didn't vote for Christopher Newport. I didn't vote for Whitewater. Um, those are the seven, and I didn't vote for Oswego State, though I toyed with voting for Oswego State. Probably should have voted for Oswego State. I went with Northwestern. You can read my blog, by the way. We've tweeted it out several times, uh, and it's on. If you go to the d3hoops.com page, go down about midway down the page. You got the men's news, women's news, and daily dose. First story in the daily dose. Uh, you can read it there. So that's on the men's side of things. Um, quickly, uh, receiving votes. Worcester lost to Ohio Wesleyan, as I mentioned. By the way, Worcester is probably coming out of my top 25 now. William Patterson, we mentioned. Stockton lost to TCNJ. Um, that's a little bit of a surprise. Uh, that's going to that's gonna cause me to have some concerns. Northwestern lost to Bethel just when I bought in. See what I'm saying? See what I'm saying? Uh, <laughs> Montclair lost to Rutgers Newark. Southern Maine lost to Bowdoin, um, and it wasn't pretty, 81-55. And Hobart lost to D2 Roberts Wesleyan. I wanted to see Hobart. I'm going to the Wendy's Classic unless something dramatically changes. I will be at least at game Saturday, maybe games tomorrow night, but the games at Rochester Saturday. I was hoping to see Hobart and see St. John Fisher again. They lost, so they're going to be over at St. John Fisher playing, I think, uh, if memory serves. Maybe it's Roberts Wesleyan. I'm not going to be there. I'm going to be at Rochester, so I'm going to miss out. Quickly on the women's side, before I get to some news in um, on the East region that I want to talk about, uh, some more losses than you would expect. Number eight, Montclair State lost to Moravian, 65-58. Uh, Not a bad loss. New England, uh, University of New England continues to go on a tear, except Tufts has their number. Uh, they defeated, they lost to Tufts 55-43, but then destroyed Wentworth 82-37. Watch out for UNE. I think they're going to be tough this year. Tufts, though, is certainly playing on another level. Trinity, Texas took their first loss of the season, losing to Houston Baptist. That's a little surprising. 60-46, not shocking. Uh, Houston Baptist, not a Division three school. Carthage lost to Clark, 63-61. Uh, take their first loss of the season as well. Christopher Newport lost to Salisbury, 54-48. Um, in two receiving votes, counted. John Carroll lost, Austin lost, and Cortland State lost. All on the women's side of things. 
So if you got questions for us, tweet us at D3Hoopsville or hashtag Hoopsville. Email us, hoopsville at D3Hoops.com or join us on Facebook, facebook.com slash Hoopsville. Um, so news out of the East region that I've been following for quite a while now. D3 Football touched on this based on information that I had heard and others had heard in an article a few weeks ago, but I'm getting more information. So follow me here. Um, now, just follow along with where I'm going with this. Um, there's a reason in the East that football needs that football needs are going to start trumping some scenarios here. The Empire 8 and Liberty Leagues are, and other leagues are all battling with scenarios where they don't have enough teams to get an automatic bid in a couple of years. Um, Empire 8, um, let me go remind myself before I go say something off here. Hold on a second. Um, that's your musical interlude. Um, Empire 8 does not need a team. They're fine. They're totally fine on the football side of things, except the Liberty League needs a team on the football side. They're down to six, um, I think. After some shifting around, they will be down to six. Forgive me, because literally this gets so convoluted and so crazy, it's hard to follow. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Right, they're at seven, but they will lose Merchant Marine, for example, and somebody else to, to conference shifting here. So they need to make some moves to get back to the seven that they need to keep an automatic bid. Here's what I'm hearing, and this is why it's important for basketball. I'm hearing, well, I already know. Let me start with what I know. I know that Ithaca College has presented themselves to the Empire 8. Uh, um, not Empire 8, uh, to the Liberty League. Ithaca College has presented themselves to the Liberty League to join that conference. They have made a proposal. It's been a formal proposal. It's now up for the vote for the presidents. Let's start with that. We know that has happened. I've been told that vote was to take place this month. However, it has been delayed for two reasons. Apparently, and I haven't seen this. I uh, I can do a quick um, a, a quick search here. Um, yes, uh, unfortunately, just recently, a a student on the Ithaca campus did has died due to a mysterious illness. Um, or at least it was, according to the last news report I have here. Um, and, of course, that was a few weeks ago. There's that. And then there's a, a, a bit of protests on the campus related to what happened at Missouri. It's happened at Amherst. has happened at Hamilton. There's a number of schools that have students that are demanding change on their campuses. And Ithaca is certainly embroiled in that. As a result of all of that, part of Ithaca's demands are that the president be ousted, by the way. Um, the vote in the Liberty League has been delayed. However, here's what I have learned. I have learned that this is all but a done deal to the point that I have learned that the Empire 8 coaches in basketball have been told to schedule without Ithaca on their schedules, meaning don't. Don't assume you got two games in conference with Ithaca. So you have two extra games going on. Um, and that's for, by the way, gone for next season. Next season. I've been told 
I'm sorry. No, 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 no. Staying for next after next season. So one more season with Ithaca. Okay. So here's what I'm hearing. Ithaca will be leaving the Empire Eight for the Liberty League starting in the 17-18 season. Okay. And that coaches have been told to schedule accordingly in the Empire Eight, meaning they got two extra non-conference games. So to wrap that up again, Ithaca College, because of football, is apparently been interested and maybe courted by the Liberty League, have presented themselves to the Liberty League formally, have done a presentation, etc. It is up to the presidents of that league to now vote on including them in the conference, which would bring the conference to six football teams. They still need one more for the automatic bid, but at least gets them closer. If that vote was supposed to have happened, it has not. It's been delayed. I've been told by on the coaching side in basketball to expect Ithaca already gone. They will play one more season in the Empire 8 and then depart. This season, then next season, and then depart. So that's your big news coming out of the East region. Hope you follow that along. I follow, Apologies uh, on a little bit convoluted the way I kind of put that together. But that's kind of part of this constant conference shakeup that's now being run by football. Um, and, and really, there aren't enough teams to go around right now. Um, kind of spurred on today when the, when the SCAC and ASC kind of talked about football and coming together a little bit, uh, something that was expected. Um this Ithaca thing will give, again, the Liberty League six football teams where they only need to find one more versus losing maybe their football teams to other conferences. Who they get to do that, I, I don't know. Uh, maybe there's a combination of two conferences and kind of an east and a west side to keep a bid. I, I'm not sure. But it's being driven by football, but it'll have its effects in basketball. So I hope you're uh, able to follow up. We will certainly let you know when it becomes official. I've been told this is happening. It just hasn't been formally voted on. So there you go. Again, coming up today on the show, we have Mike Miller from Messiah Women's Basketball. We have Nancy Faye from Wash U Women's Basketball. We'll have Stephen Brennan from Babson Men's Basketball and Mike DeWitt from Ohio Wesleyan men's basketball, three nationally ranked teams, and another team that's usually in the conversation nationally all the time. Some big hitters, uh, as it were. If you have questions for us, tweet us at D3Hoopsville or hashtag Hoopsville. Email us, hoopsville at D3Hoops.com. Join us on Facebook. Heck, you can even chat um, uh, You can even chat on the YouTube page if you want. I just noticed there's a new link to seeing the chat room, and I've now opened that up. If you so choose to chat in there, we'll try and monitor that as well. Again, we'll be at the Wendy's Classic coming up tomorrow, maybe, but definitely Saturday at Rochester. Um, if you haven't been following along, craziness there, to say the least. Um, the top four on the women's side held firm and chalk, as it were, but on the men's side, uh, three of the four lost. Thank you, St. John Fisher. Thank you, Hobart. Uh, those guys all losing, and so it's a little bit different on the 50th and final Wendy's Classic on the men's side. We're going to take a break. When we come back, we will jump into some women's basketball with two coaches who've been around for 30 years, both of them. Mike Miller from Messiah and then Nancy Fay from Wash U. We'll then have Stephen Brennan from Babson and Mike DeWitt from Ohio Wesley. You're listening to Hoops Hope, presented by D3Hoops.com, the National Association of Basketball Coaches. We'll continue to follow everything going on today. 
uh, some big games. And we'll even talk at the end of the show about what's coming up, like Saturday. Game between two, um, the rematch of the national championship game. Uh, according to some who've reached her, researched it, maybe the first time we've had that on the men's side since 2001, a rematch of the championship game. We'll keep an eye on all that, plus scores that are going on tonight as well. You're listening to Hoopsville, presented by D3Hoops.com and the National Association of Basketball Coaches. More Hoopsville right after this. College basketball lives in Kansas City at the College Basketball Experience at Sprint Center. The College Basketball Experience is the place to get your game on. It's not a museum, it's an experience you won't forget. Discover the history of the game in the National Collegiate Basketball Hall of Fame, featuring the Gallery of Honor, Mentor's Circle, and Honor Theater. Suit up in the latest CBE logoed Nike gear at the CBE Hoop Shop. Elevate your game today and visit the house that College Basketball built. We've got more schools than Division I, more fans than Division II, and more upsets than March Madness. There's 800 programs with over 11,000 games leading to two national championships. And we've been covering it all for over a decade. From Eastern to Occidental, from Puget Sound to Piedmont, from Southwestern to the University of New England, and from Hope to Calvin. Nobody covers Division III basketball like we do. We're D3Hoops.com at www.d3hoops.com. Division three schools offer academic scholarships instead of athletic scholarships. This really puts the focus that the student athlete needs to maintain that GPA. I did receive a non-athletic scholarship upon entering uh, school. I got the presidential scholarship, which was huge for me. I think there's more opportunities for academic scholarships in Division three. A lot of people pick schools just based on the sport and don't get that experience. Being a Division three athlete and developing my leadership skills has definitely put my name out there and helped me get more recognition on campus, but more recognition nationwide. I did win the Jostens Trophy, which is based on leadership, academics, and then how well you do on the court. I'm also the Schwartz Scholar of my class. Schwartz Scholarship is basically a scholarship that is given to a student who's identified as a likely leader. And the other day, it won't matter how they play on the field, it will matter how they do in the classroom. Welcome back to Hoopsville, everybody. Hope you uh, are having a good day. Obviously, uh, we are at the beginning of December here with this show. We're getting rolling here with uh, our guest segments. If you have questions for us, you can always tweet us at D3Hoopsville or hashtag Hoopsville. Email us, hoopsville at D3Hoops.com or join us on Facebook at Facebook.com slash Hoopsville. For guests scheduled on the show tonight, uh, we will start with women's basketball and transition to men's basketball. Kind of a couple of funny themes uh, in um, our, our guest tonight. We have two 30-year head coaches on the women's side, and two number 11th ranked teams on both men's and women's. It's all about uh, uh, synchronicity, I guess, uh, and and how the cards were drawn. And we'll start with one of those women's coaches who is in his 30th season. You could call him the Dean of Mid-Atlantic Basketball, possibly, mainly because his, his cohort up at Scranton finally retired. Uh, but joining us on the Hoopsville Skype hotline, is Mike Miller from Messiah. And, uh, sir, welcome to the show, first and foremost. Uh, thank you very much for having me, Dave. Looking forward to it. Well, I appreciate you taking the time. Let me first uh, say that this is kind of a segment that is from last season's Hoopsville fundraiser. Phil, who used to be a student at Messiah, donated to the cause and donated enough to select his own guest. And his guest was, your, was you. Unfortunately, we weren't able to get you on the show last season, so we're making up to Phil with this so i want to thank phil formally for that but uh it also gives us a chance to talk to you obviously you've been in the mid-atlantic region quite a bit team has not in the last season or so 
been up to what everyone is used to, but that doesn't mean you don't fear the Falcons when they come into your gym or you have to go to Messiah. Uh, off to a 3-3 three and three start. Your thoughts on the last, let's say, season plus? Yeah, uh, we've been, uh, we were able to just barely get it done up until last year. We were kept getting thinner and thinner, and uh, yeah. last year just kind of hit us. Uh, you know, one or two injuries, and we weren't able to overcome those, and in the past we've been able to. Uh, so, yeah, we're trying to rebuild it, get it back to that national level, and, and we think we have a, a really good chance to uh, to get that started again this year. We had a great two great recruiting classes in a row. Uh, we're still kind of young, but I think uh, by the end of the year and then leading into next year, we're We'll hopefully be back in that national conversation. Off to a 3-3 three and three start. You started with a loss to Susquehanna at the beginning of the season, then beat Lehman and Averett and Marymount. Pretty solid wins, especially a Marymount program that is certainly improving. Uh, and then ran into Eastern and Stevenson. Of course, Eastern made the NCAA tournament last year and certainly was the team that everyone noticed after beating FDU Florham. They probably have the class of that conference despite losing their head coach. Granted, they're on the other side of the MAC that you guys are in. They're in the Freedom. Then he took on Stevenson, who has come along in the last few years and has headed the MAC Commonwealth, obviously last season winning the title. Uh, but Stevenson even off to a rough start. What has the start to this season told you about your team? Uh, that we are young-minded, if you will, uh, <laughs> that we need to uh, keep talking and coaching, uh, increase the basketball IQ. Um, and what it's also told me, we have a, we have a roster that's uh, from top to bottom that absolutely just loves being in the gym, loves the process of college basketball, loves the work. Um, they're all disappointed that we aren't doing better, but we ha we've had a tough schedule. Um, I'm excited about their attitudes about the whole thing. Um, and the fact that we, you know, haven't won a couple of these other games that uh, that we were in, um, but but again, I think uh, I mean we're excited about what the whole season is going to bring, and we knew it was going to be tough here early on, and uh, the issue is just you know being able to have that fight and that belief that we're going to get there in the end. Um, interesting enough, you are picked to finish third in this conference ahead of Stevenson, who certainly lost a ton. Uh, yes. But also brings back a lot. Albright is the top of this conference, at least according to the coaches, with Lebanon Valley back in the mix. And we'll talk about your team. But because of that information, I kind of want to talk a little bit about this conference. This conference has gotten very good and has gotten very deep. Yeah, uh, this, I mean, again, the 30 years gives me some perspective and uh, in our success, success in the past. This is clearly, without a doubt, the toughest uh, conference we've ever had. Uh, in the past, we maybe had one to three teams were, you know, that were competing for that top spot, and then it dropped off. Yeah. And now I think we have we have like two or three teams competing for that top spot, and then it really doesn't drop off. Uh, like uh, it's really really solid from top to bottom, and it's it's going to be really interesting. That my the biggest disappointment not winning last night against uh, Stevenson is just uh, taking care of business at home because yeah. it's going to be it's tough to get road wins. And uh, you, you got to take care of home, and we didn't do that last night. Yeah, the tough part is you got to yeah. go to Owings Mills, Maryland, to play a game right. now. Yeah, uh, and get yeah. a win there. And of course, listen, the rest of that conference isn't bad. Arcadia is reemerging. Lycoming is You're certainly right. a challenge. You know, Hood's yeah. going to get its wins. You just never yeah. know and, when. And Widener's got it going again. Yeah. So yeah, but I think Albright. Quite honestly, I think Albright right now uh, would be the class. They, I mean, they only, now they basically just graduated a two guards from last year's team. That was really good, and they have a good recruiting class. I think they have three Division two transfers come in. So Albright, uh, Albright, I think is is where is is what people are going to be shooting for. You have Arcadia coming up in conference play before taking on Marymount at home, uh, yet again. 
Um, you had them on the road last time in a tournament. Then you'll get uh, Alvernia to finish off conference play before yeah. traveling to Orlando with Salisbury and River Falls. So you've got an interesting mix and match kind of, of uh, first half of the season here. Right. Yeah. I mean, it's like, like we don't have, uh, I mean, every, everybody's tough and, and that's not even, that's not a cliche. Like we're, uh, we got to play well to win, and I think in, in the in the long run, that's really going to help us because there's not going to be any, in essence, moral victories, or, or and you can't play bad and win. So we have to get to get it figured out, and uh, when we do, it's going to mean something. So, so I'm excited for what we have coming up. You have a number of seniors on this squad. I think mm-hmm. what is it five um, by my Correct. quick math, but it yeah. still feels like a bit of a young team. Right. Yeah. Our quote. You know, we have a junior that's a center that's very good, and then our uh, we have a senior point guard, Dominic Seaman, and and a lot of the other, like all the other people who are, are playmakers are all in that freshman, sophomore class. So, yeah, and, and what the seniors do is they've been great leaders and things like that. It's giving us depth. Uh, they know what it's like to play college basketball and, and things. So that's, that's to me, we're still trying to figure out everybody's role at this point. So. Uh, Jillian Glacken uh, is leading the team, the junior, 13.2 points a game. Uh, is it Alicia Rohr? Alicia. Alicia. Alicia yeah. Rohr is second yeah. on the team. Excuse me, Alicia, if you're listening. She's yeah. a freshman, though, as a forward at 12.5 points a game. Right. Um, both of them also the leading rebounders. Glacken's hauling in 11 a game. Yeah. And, and Rohr is hauling in uh, 8.5. Um, Glacken lines up at 6-2. That is certainly a bonus, and you'll get that for that one more year. Right. Um, is this a build towards the future in some ways? I know you want to have big expectations this season, but at the same time, you talk about that schedule and testing everybody. Is this almost like, hey, we're building for our future once again? Right, and I think um, I, I I totally agree with that. Except uh, we just define future a little bit different. We're sure. the future for us is January. You know, who who are we going to be in late January, second time through the league, getting ready for league playoffs? Um, and we're hoping that team is the actual future then. So, and then that'll carry on into the following season and down the road. We really believe we can be there by the end of January. And we've seen teams with rough starts in the Commonwealth on both the men's and women's side become major factors by the end of the year. I mean, Alvernia on the men's side is almost patented to that uh, yeah. after horrible yeah. starts to the season have come back to win conference titles. Right. Uh, even Stevenson last year and, and, and Lebanon Valley has done it in the past where they've had rough starts to the season. But as you say, come January and you really get into the conference mix, it's a completely different team. Uh, you said it before we started talking. You just said it now. Clearly, January is your goal. Right. Absolutely. And and to be healthy at that point, um, you know, as well. Um, and I think we have the depth. Nick, we definitely have the depth this year to overcome injuries. Uh, we have the depth to maybe uh, even as the wear and tear of the January, and February to kind of keep getting after people defensively, uh, keeping that energy level up. And I think that's 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 where we're hoping to be. So and uh, and just using using our depth and our bench throughout the whole season. You have 18 people listed on the roster. You have played nine in it in every single game. 10 in at least um, five of those games, you're willing to go into that bench. The minutes are, are relatively spread out as well. You, you've got a rotation that that you're willing to go with. Oh, absolutely. And actually, I mean, we're on a, any given night, we're probably at 11 because we just got a, a first-year guard back this last week. He was injured, missed all of, up until two weeks ago, and she's now in the mix as well. So we're, we're, we're 11 deep and uh, and just figuring out on a night-to-night basis uh, roles and who's playing well and what does that look like. But uh, And then, on t- you know, if we have to go deeper in that for, because of injuries or um, uh, foul trouble, things like that, we can we can, we can can still pull a couple people off the bench as well. So, so, if yeah, I, so it's a little different, a little more unique. So If I walk into your locker room 
and the grease board, chalkboard, whatever. I've asked this of other coaches. And I look at what the goals are for the season. What's the number one goal for this team that is clearly in transition? Well, I'm going to get a little sermony on you if you don't Ooh, mind. Okay. <laughs> but uh, we really uh, have gotten into in the past, uh, you know, since last summer, we actually don't have goals. Um, we really, really, really talk about the commitments it takes um, on a daily basis, um, you know, whether it's to encourage one another, to play good defense, be in the right position, uh, to do your work uh, that needs to get done. And being committed to that on a daily basis uh, is what we, we're, you know, it's something new. Uh, we've never done this this way before. But what team doesn't say that we want to win the league? Sure. You know, what team doesn't say we want to win 20 games? So everybody does that. But uh, but who's actually committed to doing it every day, um, the, the things that it takes every day to get there? So basically what you'd see on our board is just the issue of what the daily commitments as opposed to a goal to, to eventually get to. And then we hope that journey, you know, that they enjoy the journey and the process the whole way through and let the end take care of itself. Uh, it certainly makes sense. Of course, Messiah is a, is a unique school, kind of like a Hope Calvin Wheaton's of the world where, where that does have a bigger meaning um, than just uh, players on a court coming together uh, for a bigger cause. Messiah is also unique that, it's almost maybe a, a un, misunderstood athletics program. I mean, if anybody knows Division Three on a whole, they know the soccer programs are behemoths uh, in Division Three. though men's soccer missed the NCAA tournament for the first time in pretty much, I think, written history. Uh, Mid-90s is what we're joking about. Right. Women are obviously headed to the Final Four. They're, they're playing this weekend. They're back after missing the Final Four last year. But lacrosse is starting to improve. Field hockey has become a major factor. Obviously, the basketball programs have been in and out of the national conversation quite a bit. You guys made 15 straight NCAA tournaments until last year. How much is the soccer's program meticulate and transition and trickle down to everybody else? Yeah, I, it's a great question. In fact, and again, I just actually talked about this in a class setting uh, the other day uh, with we talk about traditions and things like that. And and when men's soccer got it going uh, 20 years ago, yeah. uh, I, early 90s, and I, I was really I'm good friends with the head coach at that time, Dave Brand, who's down at the Navy now. Uh, we were really best friends, and and to support him, and what that men's soccer team did for the for the athletic program is to actually see what's available out there. Uh, be that, this is basically before internet and all those kind of things, and you didn't really even know that the world is out there after your season's done. Uh, and when they started going to those national championships and winning national championships, all the other athletes saw that there is something there that you can work towards. And there's something beyond just the now. And I think that that completely has raised all the all the teams. And then as one team does well, it, it raises another. And I, you know, it's that rising tide thing. And men's soccer got it going and then women's soccer. And then I think we did did a real good job there for, you know, for 18 years or so. And uh, but it just gives every, all the athletes on campus like just something to look up for, because all the programs have kids that you want to um, you, you want to emulate and, and other kids want to follow. And Messiah is a tight-knit campus as well. How much is the buzz every season help kind of rejuvenate you guys? Oh, absolutely. Uh, it's, 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 it, there is definitely a buzz. It's rejuvenating, and it's a, it's a, a it also there's pressure there because, sure. they, you know, for teams that aren't quite there, there's pressure like, well, how come they're there all the time and we're not? You know, so yeah, there's a buzz, but there's also pressure with that too because, uh, you know, it, it looks like everybody else is doing, so why shouldn't I? And so it's an interesting mix for sure. But uh, all the coaches really do work together and have their backs here. It's a really good peerage that occurs. A lot of conversations happen in and out of your seasons um, throughout the year. So I realize this may be somewhat redundant in, in asking, but you've been there 30 years. I yeah. I, I'm curious how much has changed. I know the schools 
kind of going through a rejuvenization of its facilities right now. How much, though, has changed in your 30 years? Um, I mean, a lot. I mean, when I first took this job, I was a full-time teacher in the business department, and he couldn't find a coach. So they asked, <laughs> they asked me to do it five days before the season. The president walked in, my, knocked on my door, and said, could you be our coach for this year? So five days before the season started, I was supposed to do this for one year. So uh, so, so women's athletics 30 years ago wasn't where it was at now. Yeah. You know, now it's a full-time job, and you know, I've been through about eight or nine league uh uh, changes with respect to uh, league alignments and all yeah. those kind of things and technology and you know it, it used to be I was out on the road every night and having you know I don't know how I did it but now I just sit in my computer make some clicks and I'm watching games you know yeah. so I mean everything absolutely has changed uh, for sure uh, and with technology uh, being a big part of that well I appreciate you taking the time to join us I, I'm very curious what you think about the region before we let you go we talk about how tough the MAC Commonwealth has become, but the region, the Mid-Atlantic region on the whole, Landmark Conference, Centennial Conference, the MAC Commonwealth, obviously, uh, the, the, the region as a whole has gotten more difficult. But what's your take on, on the competition and what's your take on a national scene for, that, for this region? Yeah, I think for the region, we're going to do pretty well. Um, I really do believe that. I think you, I mean, just you have teams, you have FDU Forum and Eastern, you have whoever is going to kind of come out of ours. I think it's going to be tough to get in that large. Uh, just how the mathematics work. We have a large conference of we have 16 league games, and at the end of the day, that's that's a 500 winning percentage, you know, <laughs> as a conference. That, I mean, it's, and it's a lot of wins, and but I think we're going to beat each other up. So I think that's going to be tough. But I think the person who gets out of our conference is going to be really poised to be ready for that national level. And then you got Christopher Newport, and Mary Washington, those people down there, um, and then obviously Scranton um, and Moravian and people. So yeah, it's it's going to be an interesting. It'll be an interesting year. I, I do think, um, and I, I used to serve on the uh, committees, uh, selection committees for, for a while and, and things like that. Um, I really believe like our region, I'm not going to say it's the toughest in the, in the nation by any means, but what I will say this, based on 10 or 12 years ago, there are some legitimate, legitimate teams in this region, not just like one mm -hmm. uh, that can make a run in the NCAAs. And it, it didn't used to be that way uh, 10 years ago. Yeah, I don't want to miss uh, also the Capital Athletic Conference, which is in yeah. the Mid-Atlantic yeah. as well. Um, what's also interesting is, you know, you point out, I mean, Stevenson uh, made a nice little mini run in the tournament last year, nearly knocked off Montclair State in the second round. Right. Um, obviously, Messiah's had success in the tournament. Le yeah. Lebanon Valley, whoever's winning this conference, is usually good for a game, two, maybe three or more. Of course, right. you've run into who our next guest will be, will be Nancy <laughs> Fay. Yeah, I hate uh, to say that. Yeah. You, you unfortunately ran into her when they were really good. Yeah, uh, she, yeah, she ruined. She burst my Cinderella slipper, you know that kind of thing. Back in, we upset the number one team in the nation yeah. just to go face them in the in the Elite Eight game, just to face them then in the final. So yeah, I was going to say congratulations, <laughs> yeah. but um, yeah. here you go. Yeah. Um, but it, on top of that, and we'll talk to Nancy about this as well. Big changes this year with the rules. Yeah. Um, how have you adjusted? What has been the biggest challenge for you that you faced? Yeah, I think um, quite honestly, I've actually I do enjoy it. Um, I think uh, even in the heat of these games, just remembering that you can advance the ball at the end. Uh, <laughs> I, I did well in scrimmages, and I did well when we I tried it and did well when we had a uh, a game where the game was already decided in the last minute. I just wanted to practice. Sure. Um, I you know, and then these close games, I gotta be reminded. Oh, by the way, I can do that. So just having that in my mind as far as advancing the ball. But other than that, I kind of like the quarters. I like the I like the foul situation. It does speed up the game. Uh, makes it a little more clean. Uh, make the, the five fouls per quarter. So I I think overall it's really good. Um, I don't know how much the fans are sitting in. We have all these guy go double headers, and I think our yeah. our fans are confused. Sure, <laughs> it's a two different games now. You know, 
So, but uh, but I think overall, I think it's good. I think it's good for the game. You, uh, I'm always open to change. You you talk about moving the ball up to the 28 foot yeah. line, and and I and I've publicly said I think it's a gimmick. But besides that point, yeah. you also have less timeouts. How much are you conscious about holding on to a timeout to allow yourself to do that? Um, I'm honestly, for me personally, um, I hardly ever, you know, you would think that I, I get, you know, a hundred dollars every time out, I say for 30 years, uh, I just tend <laughs> not to use timeouts. I tend, and unless things have just gone bad all night long, I tend to have a bunch left in my pocket at the end anyhow. So that's true. It's not a big deal. Well, Hey, I appreciate you taking the time. As I said, uh, I certainly appreciate you talking. I want to thank Phil for the donation to getting you onto the show. Uh, look forward to seeing how the Falcons do the rest of the season. As always, we give the coach the final word. Any final thoughts you want to share with those who may be tuning in? Uh, no, just thanks again, and uh, just keep supporting uh, Dave and D3 Hoops and what they do for college women's basketball and at, at, at this level. Um, and I just want to say I'm hopeful for what the future brings for our team, too, <laughs> well, <laughs> as I, we go forward. <laughs> I'm looking. I'm writing down January. I'm, I'm okay. writing down to, to turn, the, turn the channel back on, as it were, yep. in January um, and see where you check, guys are. Yeah, check January 20, see where we're at. So. Uh, very good, January 20. I'll put that on, a, on the calendar. Well, Coach, okay. thank you so much. Take care, and we'll see you soon. Thank you very much, Dave. Mike Miller joining us here on Hoopsville. Again, they are off to a 3-3 three and three start. Our game against Arcadia on the road coming up on Saturday. They go t- uh, host Marymount next week along with Alvernia at home before taking a holiday break and then head into sunny Florida to take on a nationally ranked Salisbury and UW River Falls. We have plenty more Hoopsville ahead, including Nancy Fay from WashU. We'll talk to her next here on Hoopsville, presented by D3 Hoops, the National Association of Basketball Coaches. More Hoopsville right after this. We've got more schools than Division One, more fans than Division Two, and more upsets than March Madness. There's 800 programs with over 11,000 games leading to two national championships. And we've been covering it all for over a decade. From Eastern to Occidental, from Puget Sound to Piedmont, from Southwestern to the University of New England, and from Hope to Calvin. Nobody covers Division Three basketball like we do. We're D3Hoops.com at www.D3Hoops.com. Division Three allows you to be able to give yourself to other things. Not even just participate in them, but really get involved with them if you want to. There's a lot of interaction. Um, it's not just sitting back, taking notes. You're actually doing hands-on things and better preparing yourself for your major. Choosing a Division III school, I've had the opportunity to develop my leadership skills and to be more involved on campus. Division III in athletics you know, affords students the opportunity not only to participate in uh, intercollegiate athletics at a competitive level, but also gives them the opportunity to you know, engage in the other interests in their campus and in their lives outside of that sport and outside of the academics on the campus. And to have opportunity to have time to join clubs and being able to play basketball, it allows you to just be able to do everything you want to do. I wouldn't change it for the world. College basketball lives in Kansas City at the College Basketball Experience at Sprint Center. The College Basketball Experience is the place to get your game on. It's not a museum, it's an experience you won't forget. Discover the history of the game in the National Collegiate Basketball Hall of Fame, featuring the Gallery of Honor, Mentor's Circle, and Honor Theater. Suit up in the latest CBE-logoed Nike gear at the CBE Hoop Shop. Elevate your game today and visit the house that College Basketball built. Welcome back to Hoops Hill, everybody. Hope you're enjoying the, the show. I appreciate you taking the time to chat with us. I want to thank 
Messiah's women's basketball coach for joining us just a moment ago. If you've got questions for us, you can certainly join us on Twitter at D3Hoopsville or hashtag Hoopsville. Join us on Facebook, facebook.com slash Hoopsville, or email us Hoopsville at D3Hoops.com. Ask us questions, suggest guest ideas, just interact with us in general, whether on the air or off the air. You can do it in those three fashions. Of course, we're scrolling at the bottom of your screen, all that information as well. Um... Obviously, this time of year, we're talking to teams like Messiah, who may be in the conversation later in the season. Uh, we're also talking to teams that um, are always in the conversation, and we're getting a chance in the earlier part of the year to talk to them. I don't know how many times I brought in coaches and maybe top 10 teams that we talked to in January or February, but really maybe they had something significant to talk about in November and December, and we didn't have time. So a few extra shows now on Sundays are allowing us to get a few extra guests in, and that includes our next guest out of the Central Region on the women's side, uh, the number 11th-ranked Bears of WashU, and their head coach, Nancy Fay, joins me on the Hoopsville Hotline. Coach, welcome to Hoopsville. Glad to be here. I think we've said that nearly every season, um, which is pretty impressive. Not all of your seasons, we'll get to that, but all of our seasons. We've been around for a half of your career, if that makes any sense. <laughs> um, off to a 4-1 and one start. Um, obviously a tough loss to uh, Stevens Point uh, in Chicago. Um, but rebounded from that one, um, and, and then a big win against DePaul. We'll talk about that, uh, and we'll talk about some of the nuances of the season. But first and foremost, your thoughts on your five-game start to the year. Well, I think we, we've kind of turned a different page this year. We graduated a lot of impact players last year that saw a lot of minutes over the last four years. and yeah. So we're, we're kind of uh, putting things together, learning about ourselves. We're, we're young and old. Um, I think the, the biggest thing is we just haven't had a lot of kids um, in the positions they have, uh, they have to take this year, and their roles have changed significantly. So, um, you know, we're growing. We're trying to get better every day. But it, it's a, it's a, a lot of different faces. Um, I tell people you need to bring your, your program with you because you got to check the numbers and who we have out there this year. <laughs> I was gonna say you have a lot of players when you look at the roster, uh, and they they run the gamut for classes. You even have a graduate student. You have a bunch of seniors, a bunch of juniors, a bunch of sophomores, a number of freshmen. Yeah, I mean, you have, as you say, young and old on this team, and you do. You look at the roster, uh, and you look at the statistics, and you've got Amanda Martinez leading the tw team at, at 12.5 points a game. Of course, she's a senior, and people may know her. Joey Vern, or Joe Vern, how do you say? Zoe Vernon. Vernon, thank you. I forgot the O-N part as That's I was okay. clicking. Joey Vernon, uh, who's second on the team in scoring. Of course, she's a junior, but as you go through this roster, you start picking up names that maybe no one is familiar with. That's got to almost rejuvenate you a little bit. You, you, you're kind of having to coach a little bit anew. Well, it is a change. I mean, even Zoe's a transfer student. So, um, you know, there's about, I mean, we started bringing back our starting point guard and our two guard. But after that, there's a lot of people that um, saw role action, like I mentioned. And yeah. so this year, with we have a couple transfers. We're mixing in kids that, um, some freshmen. Um, it's like a box of chocolates this year. So we're trying to be a little patient and, and make sure that, we, you know, we grow. Um, I'm, I'm pushing them as fast as I can. <laughs> What's really interesting about this, though, is, it, we, listen, the, the, the box score offensively does not jump off the table. Uh, Martinez, 12.5 points a game, 9.5 points for Vernon. Uh, Lily uh, Saros, 8.8 uh, .8 points a game. Not a lot of doubles figures, but you're only scoring 65, 66 points a game. What really jumps out at me, and this gets me to the DePaul game, is you're only averaging 52 points allowed. Um, you are when when I look at this team and I look at the results, there are a ton of low scoring affairs. You haven't allowed more than uh, 64 points in a game. 
I'm sorry, 68 against Westminster, uh, 50, uh, 61 against Stevens Point, 40 against Milwaukee Engineering, uh, Illinois College, 51, 41 to DePaul. I mean, DePaul's not that far removed from a national championship. You know they've got a good squad. Your defense has been stout this season. Well, it's, um, you know, we've, we've changed a little of our philosophy. We're doing some things that are a little bit different than we have in the past. We're extending them more than, and I've been doing this a long time, and I'm finding myself, you know, trying to make sure I'm playing to what I think this team can do. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the reflection of the, the scoring is because we're playing. I think if you also look at the minutes played, yeah. it's probably spread out more significantly. Last year we were playing more five to you know, I would say eight to nine. This year, it's expanded. So, yeah. our style of defense has changed, um, and so I don't think you're going to see that. You know, the Melissa Gilkey type, you know, line that we've had last year. But uh, just like I said, I'm trying to work with what with the strengths of what we think we have this year. Yeah, you've played nine players double uh, digit point or minutes, I should say, or more, and I think ten players have come off the bench or, or played in a game. I should say, period. So you're certainly going deeper. You're certainly rotating more. Uh, is that because you you don't, as you point out, Melissa Gilkey, do you, you don't have that dominating force per se? You have more. Maybe everybody's got talent, or everybody's got a, a role on this team, and it's better to rotate. Yeah, I think that you know we're we're extending ourselves full court more, and that just requires if if you require the yeah. same intensity, um, and you want to play them as hard as I want them to, it's really. Um, probably not realistic to expect that they can go long, long minutes. You, you, we're trying to get this idea of sharing our, our minutes. Um, you know, I, I think that's what's the fun about coaching. Each year, you, know, you try to, you, you know, you feel like you're, you know, uh, trying to mix and figure out what's best. And at this point, you know, even the loss to Stevens Point, I think we found out a lot about ourselves. I think, you know, there was no doubt last year in, the, in clutch times where the ball was going, what was going on, and then sometimes during the season you just got to let you know things play out. And I think that. That game helped us um, kind of finish the game against DePaul um, because we understood, we had been there. And I think actually our, our schedule is reflective of I kind of forced a lot of tough schedule, tough games on these kids early um, and hoping that they grow fast because the conference is going to be brutal. So. <laughs> yeah, well, we'll get to the conference in a bit. But you're right. You've got an interesting mix of games against teams that are usually per- perennially good, the Stevens points and the DePauls, or have been recently good like a Rhodes or others who are coming up. So you've certainly got a, a wide selection there. Quickly, before we leave the team, though, you talk about that change in mentality. This is going to sound strange, but a coach who's been around for as long as you have, 30 years, a lot of people would expect a coach to always do the same thing, that they may get into a rut a little bit. I've found over your career you're more than willing to change things up. Well, I th- you know, I think that um... – I, I think the, this is a, a profession. The more you, you know, the more you find out you don't. And um, I think I've kind of held on to that philosophy. It, it's, it's a little unnerving what we, we've tried to do this year. Um, but I know the kids are enjoying it right now. It, it's fitting for what we want to do. I think that if I played seven or eight, I'd have a, you know we just have enough depth that um, I don't think it would help our, our team mentality and our, our, our uh, you know how, how we felt about uh, you know. Uh, playing people and you just can keep them so happy and i'm not necessarily here to keep kids happy but we really do have kids that belong on the court and so we're trying to find ways we've got a little more speed so um you know that's the direction we're heading right now um up ahead you got Rhodes uh coming up on uh tomorrow friday and then you'll Mm -hmm. take on simpson or wisconsin lutheran on saturday then webster and milliken fontbon and loris to finish out your out-of-conference scheduling with fontbon and loris uh sandwiching christmas 
uh, before we get into conference play. Before we talk about the conference, these next six games, what is your goal? What is your hope that you can accomplish in these six before you jump into conference? I think that what you know the Depaul game is what we needed to kind of kick us past. You know, the, I think the Stevens Point game, to be honest, shook us a little bit, sure. um, confidence-wise, because because we're you know people in new roles. And I felt if we can, you know, uh, kind of, uh, I guess, uh, embrace our identity. I know the kids like it, but how you embrace it is having some success. And I think that's what happened. Uh, I mean, the Depaul game, although it sounded like a really incredibly like. You know, it wasn't an offensive, um, you know, display, but it was because there was such great defense being played by both teams. I mean, the intensity of it was incredible, and I'm I'm hoping that we can just build on um, that type of game uh, the next. You know, as with every school right now, we're in the mid. You know, we're starting to head into finals. You have to stay closer to home and and play some games when um, everybody's a little bit more. You know, tired and at the classroom, we don't have the corner on that. Everybody's is like that. I think that's our focus right now. Um, you then get into conference play, and you kind of talk. You already hinted at how tough it's going to be. What's fascinating, and I obviously got to see you guys at NYU last year, which was an awesome opportunity. And talk about an awesome game. Um, NYU is good. Chicago has reemerged as being good. Rochester could be a challenge. Emory has has certainly gotten into the fray, as it were. Um, even those not necessarily at the top of the UAA are kind of in the mix. Uh, as it were, there nobody. Uh, Case Western Reserves off to the roughest start at two and five. Brandeis is four and two. Um, Chicago's four and one. Emory's five and one. Rochester, Carnegie Mellon, and NYU are all undefeated at five and zero oh, or or six and zero. Oh. Obviously, last season this ended with you guys tied with Chicago, NYU, Rochester, and Brandeis lurking. The women's side hasn't always been as competitive as the men's side. I'd almost say this year and last year. It has flipped. It is extremely competitive on the on the women's side, and that makes conference play so much more difficult. Yeah, I think it's. It, you know, I, I was almost going to hang up in the middle of when you're telling me how good everybody was and say, okay. Um, yeah, oh, I, I don't want to talk about this. I, I looked at them the other day. Just you know, you kind of take a peek, but you know, I'm I'm very excited that our conference right now is represented like that yeah. and how competitive it is. It only can help you later. Um, when you get to you know the opportunity, because the teams that do get in, I mean there were times that we were getting three to four into the uh, into the postseason. Yeah. The last couple of years it's dropped off. I really do feel that you know it's, if if we continue that this is you know I think that they're going to be well represented in the postseason. But you're going to have to survive um, you know a really tough tough conference play. Yeah, you ju- obviously could have had three last year. Um, Chicago yeah. just mixed it, missed it due to a strength of not a strength. Yeah, strength, well, a lot, they had a few games that weren't Division three that's kind of hurt them a little bit. So, you know, that played a, a factor at eighteen and seven. But they were they were nearly into the tournament. What, is there conversations amongst you coaches about? Oh, you know, what do we want to do to get more teams in? Or or flip on that? Um, yeah, we want to get more competitive. Or is this just kind of breed itself? Yeah, I don't think. I mean, I think the UAA has. You know, that does what it's supposed to do, and I think that you have to, you know, when you're part of the process, if you're on committees, you do, you you try to stay educated, tell each other, and be, you know, do the best that can put yourself in a, in a position to, you know, advance in, into the postseason. And other than that, you know, it's, you've got to trust what's going on. And I think our coaches are involved; they do care. They they're a group of people that are are educated about the process, and. Um, 
you know, after that, you just got to go out, you know, scheduling is extremely tough these days. Yeah. Um, the conferences are getting bigger, trying to find teams to play, um, and in the time frames and geographic, I mean, it's a monster. Yeah. And um, I, I think that's the, the toughest thing that faces all of us right now. Interestingly, the start of your season will start with Chicago at home, which just means you got to finish with them on the road. Then you're, <laughs> yes. and then which may not be the greatest idea, but uh, and then you got to go on the road to the Pittsburgh Cleveland trip with Case Western Reserve and Carnegie Mellon. Then you're at home for a stretch: Brandeis, NYU, Rochester, Emory. I kind of have a feeling that four games is going to be pretty important for you guys um, before you get further into the season. That stretch there at the end of February, I mean, end of January really going to be important for this season. Yeah, you know, it's funny because, you know, when I talk to friends about, you know, the beginning of the year, what's important? Like, oh, the first game, we got Westminster, it's big, you know, it's, you yeah, know yeah. then you go to the next, and it's like you 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 can uh, totally drive yourself crazy as a coach if I look to now in January. Sure, <laughs> I can understand I also that. look, and I look at February because we're yeah. mostly on the road. Yeah, um, yeah I, you know, I, I, I think it's, every game is big in the UAA, and, uh, you know, it is a stretch that we're going to have to do well at home because there's not, it's not going to be very forgiving in February. Uh, what I always get a kick out of in the UAA is the fact that you'll play, right in the middle of the season, you'll play two teams either home or away, and the following weekend you flip the schedule right. and immediately play them again. I always find that is the most fascinating quirk in the UAA schedule. But as a coach, that's got to be a little bit of a blessing and a curse. It's a blessing because you don't have to scout two more teams. You just saw them. It's a curse. Because you just saw him. It, it it truly is. I think the it was you know we went through many master schedules and the the, the basic reason it is is to try it from an academic standpoint sure. with our travel. It it's uh, it's what our, our commissioner came up with and that's about the be- the best situation. And it <laughs> is it is an interesting turnaround because um, you know you aren't working on scouts, but your your stomach's probably going just as hard trying to figure out whatever you did the week before how much <laughs> it's going to change. So yeah. or how much you need to change. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's certainly uh, it's one of the cool things about the UAA schedule. And, of course, uh, with news that the Ivy League may be putting in its own conference tournament at some point in time, UAA may be the only uh, conference in the country that doesn't have a conference tournament, and we're not expecting it anytime <laughs> no. in the near future. Listen, Coach, you have been there 30 years. This is your 30th season, we should say. Uh, five national titles, 21 UAA titles. Uh, pretty much, you, of course, four of those national titles in a row during an incredible undefeated streak there. You are synonymous uh, with winning in women's basketball. And, of course, now your name is on the court along with Mark Edwards. Uh, they they did that honor this year on the men's side. Jokingly, I'm kind of curious if there was a fight as to whose name goes on top or goes first. No, I think we just went age. Oh, age? One, yes. Okay. I thought maybe last name alphabetical, Edwards no, Faye. That was also brought up, too. But I, I, went, I said, Mark, you're older. You get to go first. Um, I'm sure you appreciated that. Yes. Uh, what, but what does that honor mean to you? The fact that the, the school wants to recognize you guys, for lack of better description, eternity. Uh, obviously, th- that stuff can change. But, I mean, to put your names on the court and say, you know what, you guys deserve this kind of honor, just like John Wooden at UCLA and others at other big schools. Well, I, one when I was told, I mean, the first reaction was tears coming down my face because um, I thought it was so appropriate for both you know, I, the, the men's and women's programs here. Uh, Mark and I have worked together um, mm-hmm. to, de- to build a program. Um, yes, we do things differently, but we felt it so important that we bridge the gaps between the two teams. You know, we travel together, we know each other, we, yeah. we ask questions of each other. 
I think it's really unique that two coaches, I don't know if you can find two that have been coaching this long and um, working together. But the bottom line, um, it's representative of the kids and the tradition and the hard work. So I just look at, you know, I'm so flattered by it, but, um, you know, our team, our first national championship team is being inducted the weekend they're dedicating the floor. And I, I think that was the only way I'd feel really good about it because <laughs> it's um, it's all about them, and that's what yeah. it represents to me. Well, I, I find it interesting. I was going to say you were the Gino Orianta of, of Division Three, and I don't think that's fair. I think you're more the Pat Summit of Division Three, <laughs> only because Gino is Gino. Let's just—I don't think there's anybody else who can compare to Gino. Um, uh-huh. But certainly, certainly was synonymous with winning a national championships. You're the Pat Summit of Division Three, in my opinion, and as a result, you you certainly have a, a big voice in Division Three. You say you do things differently than Mark Edwards. You guys are clearly doing things differently now because the rules are different. Um, I'm sure you and Mark can't have conversations about adjusting tactics um, (laughs) at all right now because Mark's like, yeah, nope, don't play quarters. But how much were you involved with that? These changes with the rules because I don't think you're on the rules committee, Um, and but you still have a big voice. And how has the adjustment been? Have you been for this? I'm kind of curious. Well, you know, I was on the rules committee at one point, so I understand a little bit of the structure of how how it operates. You know, and. This is, you know, I, I trust people that are that do this research. I trust people. I mean, not every rule that has ever come out that, you know, I've I've embraced. But what I've learned is it's what it is, and get on board and adapt and make sure, you know, you know that it it's that you understand it and that you play according to the rules. I mean, I, I think the thing I do miss is the one on one. You know, not having any a bonus and pressure. Um, I understand what they're doing. They're trying mm-hmm. to really keep us from falling. Um, you know, I've seen it go both ways. Um, you know, I saw an hour and 57-minute game one day, and I went, whoa, because uh, the bonus got, you know, they, the five fouls, when it happens, it can really, it does slow it down. So sure. I guess we have to adapt to it, um, but, and that's what we're doing. Uh, it's, it is weird when I look in the second half, sometimes I'm doing this math, okay, that's 14 minutes left in the game, not really, full, you know, it's, you <laughs> yeah. know, I'm old, so I'm <laughs> still trying to, I'm like, I'm like, okay, because strategically it yeah. does, it it does kind of make you think about okay when your subbing patterns are what really is left in the game is that last ten minutes when it kicks it goes fast and yeah. it's it's, uh, it's an adjustment I'll, I'll, but you know I, I trust what they're doing and uh, I'll I'll go with it. Uh, what about this half bring the ball up to the twenty eight foot mark in the final <laughs> minute thing? I I I I've blatantly and publicly called it a gimmick. It, well, it's it's. Trust me, I think every coach's sideline playbook has doubled. Um, you <laughs> Probably know, and, true. <laughs> you know, you're messing around with these lob stuff, and I'm like, I, I always hope that I'm not in a position that I have to do that so much. But it, it is, you know, they're trying to, they're trying to make our game exciting. I, I think it is. So, yeah. um, you know, I, I will go with what they have to do. It's, it's an interesting. Uh, you know, we, I think we've played more with it in practice and in game so far. Yeah, I, I've heard of refs in the preseason asking coaches to call it just so they can get used to the depth yep. and decide it. Um, the other thing, too, of course, national championship. We played in Indianapolis this year on the same court as Division One and Division Two. On an interesting day being a Monday, that's beside the point. But I know you would love to get to the final, the championship for varying reasons. But how much <laughs> would you love to get to the championship because of this opportunity? You know, it, I've heard, on the men's side, I heard they did it, and it was an incredible event. Yeah. And I'm looking forward for that kind of stage for Division Three, and I'm sure they'll, it'll be an exciting time. Um, you know, 
like you said, I, I I'd play four days in a row if we could get to a national championship. So if they want to do it, you know, Indianapolis, wherever it is, I'll, I'll be there. So I think the four teams that do get there will will have a great opportunity to showcase Division Three, and I think that's outstanding. You lost to Thomas Moore last year in the round of sixteen. Uh, obviously, they went on undefeated to win the national championship. Certainly, they're a juggernaut, even with Sidney Moss not playing right now. What kind of changes have you had to make as a coach with your team to adjust to new teams and new dominating teams like Thomas Moore who weren't there previously during your championship runs? Well, you, you know, Thomas Moore's had a really good program for a long time. Yes. And, I, and, I, and I, when we went down there, um, you know, I, I often – laugh because I was like trying to scheme to try to stop her and she scored the first 17 points that tells you how I felt about my coaching style wonderful right scheme there. coach and, uh, and I think that's what makes I think that like the, what they're doing right now is proof of why they won the national title that was not a one-person team by any means and um, they're just they're going to get better because of it I think that I think that the game has changed since you know I started there's a lot more um, you know just open play you, you got to stop players it's not as when I first started, there was so many just plays. If you stop the play, now it's much more advanced, mm. a lot more gimmicks going on. And uh, I think there's just a lot more, you know, girls that are playing basketball younger. It makes our game better. It makes, you know, you don't see the same four teams in. You know, right. you'll see, you know, and I think that's healthy for our game. Well, I remember, I think it was last year, you also said the fact that there's more girls playing basketball yes. has made it better. It was one of the quotes that has stuck with me for a long time. So. Uh, I can see your point. I'm kind of curious, 30 years, how many more you got? Uh, you're young, if you at least compare it to Mark Edwards. Um, so how many more years have you got? How many? How Have you got a timeline that says, yeah, I've got X amount of years left? Or is this one of those every year is a new one, and I just I see how I feel in the offseason? I think that's what you – I think, you know, um, you know, when you love a job and you love working with 18- to 22-year-olds, I think that, um, you know, that's how I look at it. Um, you know, I, I enjoy this. Um, you know, I think when it stops being fun, that's when coaches, you know, may look to do other things. And sure. I'm, ha- I'm having a blast. So um, I'll let you know. But right now it's going well. <laughs> well, it certainly is going well. And I know Washu has been glad to have you. His name in the court is certainly a prime example of Well, I appreciate you taking the time to join us on the show. As always, you know that um, we give the coach the final word. Any final thoughts you want to share with those who may be tuning in? Well, Dave, I appreciate what you guys do for our our, our sport. Um, I think it's going to be one heck of a season. I can't wait to uh, uh, see this progress to Indianapolis. Absolutely. I agree with you on that. I think it's going to be a fun season to watch. I can't wait to be in Indianapolis myself to see the championship as well. Well, thanks so much for coming on the show, Coach. Good luck the rest of the way. I'm sure we'll talk to you at somewhere down the road. Just don't tell Mark what I said. I will agree. Agreed. Thank you. (laughs) Take care, Coach. uh, Nancy Faye joining us here from WashU. Again, team off to a 4-1 start. They've got Rhodes and then Simpson or Wisconsin Lutheran ahead this weekend. Conference play starts in January. It's going to be fun to watch the UAA on both the men's and especially the women's sides this season. We're going to take another break, uh, and when we come back, we'll switch gears, talk men's basketball. Um, You're listening to Hoopsville, presented by D3Hoops.com and the National Association of Basketball Coaches. More Hoopsville right after this. What makes D3 special is the ability to participate in my team and within the broader community. The perfect ending to a perfect season. Being a D3 student athlete has completely expanded my life. I learned how to lead. I really found a voice. What time is it? It's more about the experience rather than just a sport itself. Without the experience of being a Division III student athlete, I wouldn't be the person who I am today. 
NCAA Division III. Discover. Develop. Dedicate. I used to never really talk. Ever. I was scared and shy. It was hard to look at people's faces. I was afraid if I said something wrong, everyone would laugh at me. But then I started to play golf with Special Olympics. I made friends and won lots of gold medals. But I learned more than just playing golf. Special Olympics helped me to find my voice. And now everyone else is speechless. We've got more schools than Division One, more fans than Division Two, and more upsets than March Madness. There's 800 programs with over 11,000 games leading to two national championships. And we've been covering it all for over a decade. From Eastern to Occidental, from Puget Sound to Piedmont, from Southwestern to the University of New England, and from Hope to Calvin. Nobody covers Division III basketball like we do. We're D3Hoops.com at www.d3hoops.com. And welcome back to Hoopsville, everybody. Hope you're having a wonderful evening. Um, we are obviously neck deep into it at this point in time. If you've got any questions for us, you can tweet us at D3Hoopsville or hashtag Hoopsville. Email us, Hoopsville at D3Hoops.com or join us on Facebook, Facebook.com slash Hoopsville. Lots going on in December, obviously, as we start to see conference play a little bit in a lot of the conferences. Still some out-of-conference play, but of course, we're we're dancing a little bit here with midterms, or finals, I should say, and dancing a little bit with uh, postseason or uh, um, holiday tournaments. So everybody kind of has weirder schedules now, and so this is kind of a chance for us to go across the country and just kind of touch base with some teams that are either making headlines or are expected to make headlines. And that's certainly the case with this team here. Baps and Beavers made it to the championship weekend in Salem uh, last year. Uh, certainly on the on the coattails, a little bit of Joey Flannery, but certainly a good team around him. Um, but they're off to a good start this season, despite a blemish just the other day. We figured if there's any a good time to talk to Babson, it might be now. And so joining us on the Hoopsville Hotline is their head coach, Stephen Brendan. Coach, welcome to Hoopsville. Thanks for having me, Dave. Appreciate it. Absolutely. Enjoy having you all the time. Uh, ranked number 11 uh, going into this week. Of course, a blemish with Bowden, um, 88-84 in overtime back on uh, the 29th, right after Thanksgiving. A little bit of a break here before you travel to Salem, Mass. You'll take on Brandeis and a team to be decided uh, coming up this weekend. And then you even have Amherst Bates ahead of you as well. We'll get to those in a minute. But let's talk about the season that it, to start with. Listen, I'll, I'll be blunt. I think Bowden was the toughest test you guys had on that schedule. Yeah, I, I think the, to this point, I mean, I think that um, early in the season, uh, Anna Maria had shot the ball really, really well. So they, they were... Um, definitely a challenge, and, and I think that on the road, the Tuesday of Thanksgiving week's generally the toughest game of the year for yeah. us, so Alec Becker um, was, was definitely a challenge. But, you know, like I tell our guys every night that, you know, there are no easy wins. You know, you got to earn everything you do, and so for us, uh, you know, we went up to Bowdoin, and we have not had tremendous success up there, and, you know, I thought I think a lot of us, Coach Gilbride, I think he's consistently one of the uh, the better coaches out there, and he has his team prepared. And obviously, they have Houseman, who's the reigning player of the year in the NESCAC, and they have a, a very good rookie in the kid Simon's a lefty six six kid who really hurt us early in the game. 
you know, I, I think that in terms of that game, we we got all the shots we wanted. We were playing 10 feet in and, and we just missed a, a, a lot of point-blank shots at the rim. I think it frustrated our guys a little bit. And Bowden took advantage of that. And, you know, they hit seven threes in the first half to get a nine-point lead. And then in the second half, and, and they also held Joey scoreless in the first half, which doesn't happen very often. And then in the second half, we made a, a really character comeback and we're down 16 and actually took the lead with uh, probably two or three minutes to go. And then it was back and forth to get to overtime, you know, um, matching free throws. And then even in the overtime, we, we again missed two point blank shots in the first minute or two of that extra frame. And, you know, tip your hat to Bowden. They did a great job. And, you know, they were really physical, did a great job screening. Um, but the second half, we did a better job. They went from making seven threes in the first half to, to not making any in the second half. So, you know, I, I think it was a really good road test for us. And, you know, like I told our guys, like, it's an elite game. When you make a mistake, they, they make you pay. And, and now we're moving on to Brandeis and either Tufts or Salem and then obviously Amherst. So all those games fall in that category where when you make a mistake, they make you pay. And, you know, our guys – a lot of guys, uh, despite you know the the return of a lot of guys in our program, many of our players are taking on larger roles. So you know they they're getting used to taking on a larger role, and you know we're excited because Charlie Rice we think will be back. He hasn't played yet this semester, and um, we're hoping he'll be back soon from an injury. Um, we'll talk about the team in a second, but you know you talk about no easy wins, but you did win by 28 over Framingham State. You beat uh, Anna Maria by 30. Then things got tough. You had a two-point win over LaSalle. Elms, who had just smoked Springfield, you smoked them back by 32. Um, then a close win over Becker and the close loss to Bowden. So you've really been all over the place. You haven't had necessarily you know, a lock stock, as you described, game that kind of went with what you were trying to accomplish. You get a week off here. Now you'll take on Brandeis, who's off to a 4-1 and one start, plays some very similar teams to you. Obviously a lot of time to prepare. What are you trying to focus on in this week? I think this week, you know, we're just trying to clean up areas that, you know, that, that you get to see. It's nice to be able to take stock of what's happened in these other games. We've shot the ball extremely well at home, so you see a lot of those uh, larger gaps between us and our opponent were at home and on the road we, we haven't shot as well so you know that's one piece but I think ultimately it's you know can we fine-tune what we're doing in terms of you know both transition defense half-court defense and then offensively we're playing a little bit differently uh, we have a little bit more so far scoring uh, distribution than we had a year ago I mean last year we kind of had you know both Wiki and Joey that we played off of and now right. we have a number of guys who are putting up big numbers. Bradley Jackson, 30 points up at Bowden, which you know never happened last year as a freshman. So, uh, in addition, Isaiah um, Nelson is a transfer who you know has been pretty much a double double every night. So, I, I think it's just getting our guys used to playing. You know, every year's different, every team's different. You know, they have to learn how they're going to play well together. And the things that got exposed up at Bowden, hopefully, we're addressing this week. You talk about the team, and, and thanks for the segue there. You know, obviously everyone knows Babson as being, you know, Joey Flattery's team to some extent. Get to the championship weekend, certainly play well. I mean, you guys ran into some juggernauts, for lack of a better description there. Um, but Joey's leading the team at nearly 22 points a game and six rebounds a game. You talk about Isaiah Nelson, that transfer coming in, 16 points a game, nearly 10 rebounds a game. Bradley Jacks, you speak of, uh, nearly 14 points a game and six rebounds a game. So clearly those three are playing well. You certainly talk about Charlie Rice. 
who last year um, didn't average a lot of points but certainly gave you the fair number of minutes that you needed. You know, I think a lot of questions coming into the season were, okay, so Joey lost some guys from last year's team that certainly helped him. Who's going to help him this year? Who's going to step up? It's interesting you talk about Jack stepping up, but you also talk about getting a, a, a key transfer in, in Isaiah Nelson. What's different about this team? What's similar about this team from last year? Uh, similarities are that, you know, we're still um, probably better 10 feet in. You know, I think we're an adequate three-point shooting team, which was kind of how I looked at us last year. I mean, there'll be nights we really are going to make some threes or we hope we're going to make threes. And then, you know, there's other nights that, you know, we, we just really have to establish our inside game as much as possible, but also have enough space that uh, someone like Joey can, can both drive and make other people better. And, and, and Matt Droney, who played um, off the bench for us last year also, he's, he's now a starter. So I, I think that those are pieces for us that we're trying to really make sure we understand and, you know, how we best going to play. Because we've had nights like when we played at Becker, you know, we took 13 threes in the first half, and that really wasn't the game plan. You know, and I think that we still, because of those three leading scores that you you talked about, um, we still got to be a great 10 feet in team. We still got to get to the line a lot. And then, you know, we hope that we're going to be a, a solid to elite defensive team, you know, over time. But it takes time for guys in bigger roles or new roles to get used to it. And, you know, we still go back to Travis Sheldon as, you know, the best team leader on our team. He doesn't get much love or praise in terms of filling up a stat sheet, but, you know, he continues to be the leader in the clubhouse as far as keeping us together when, when the moments are, are challenging. You talk about a tough shooting team from outside, 24.5% on the season. Joey's your, uh, it's taken the most shots, 7 of 32, though. You guys do struggle from out there. How much is that a weakness you're worried about? If you're too much of an inside team, teams are just going to pack the, pack it in and force you to shoot from outside. If you can't hit from out there, how much is that a, a liability now? Well, I, I think that everybody's tried that against us anyway. You know, I think that if you look at it, Becker did it, LaSalle did it, and, and so we're getting used to it. You know, yeah. I think that, you know, it's one of those things that happened last year too because, yeah. you know, Wiki was that inside guy too. So, you know, I think we're equipped to deal with it. I think that, you know, like I said on, on Sunday, when the ball wasn't going in, you know, when you're 10 feet in, you know, it's hard to become really good outside. So I think if we see the ball go in early in the games uh, and, and beyond, then we're going to be okay. And I, and I think that we probably can shoot at a, at a higher, you know, percentage level than, than we're currently doing. But, you know, as they say, you are what you are. So right now we're, we're not a great shooting team from uh, beyond the arc, but, you know, we'll continue to work at it every day. Talking to Stephen Brennan here. Uh, head coach for Babson, number 11th ranked team in the nation, of course, coming uh, off of a year where they made it to Salem. And we'll talk about your opponents coming up, but I quickly want to touch on Salem and the experience. You know, you go there, you lose by 20, unfortunately, to a really good Augustana squad uh, who obviously got, who lost in the championship game, but is, you know, favored to, uh, as the number one team this season. Um, how, prior to that, you'd gone on a 17 game winning streak, hadn't lost since mid January when you'd lost to WPI, who wasn't that bad. Um, and obviously that was at home. How much was last? I mean, how much can you guys you turn to last year's experience and use it this year? Or how much is it? You know what? That's in our past. We can't focus on it. We try really hard not to focus on it because you know every year you're a different team because you're a different person based on your shared experiences. So just guys, we can certainly reference it to. But ultimately, I think 
our opponents are using it for their motivation. Sure. You know, I think that, you know, we're, we're certainly not sneaking up on anybody. We're certainly getting everybody's best game and, you know, being ranked, um, whether it's, you know, accurate or not, I, I say preseason rankings, you know, who really knows? I mean, certainly Augustana has everybody back and, yeah. you know, they, they, they're, they're, they're tremendously talented. I uh, haven't seen them up close and personal, but, you know, I, I think that you do your best to just focus on today and, we tell our guys every day, you got to get your job is to get better individually, and our team has to be collectively greater than the sum of our parts, and and that doesn't change, you know. And I think that, you know, we go back to work today. We had an off day yesterday, and that's the first message of the day. And then understand, look, you're getting everybody's best game, whether you deserve it or not. <laughs> yeah. And and so I think you have to turn the page, but you have to at least acknowledge the fact that it's out there. And so if you sit there and you don't acknowledge it, I think, I think you're, you're foolhardy because it is what motivates people. You know I mean? That can be the margin for victory or, or a loss, you know, is that someone's just juiced to play you and comes out and makes a lot of incredible shots, you know, because they're excited to knock off yeah. a ranked team or a team that went to the Final Four. I, I call them banquet games, you know. Everyone wants to have you on, the, on, their, on their video <laughs> for the banquet. Hey, we beat, you know, the Final Four battle yeah. Beavers. You know? Yeah. You know, and so, you know, you got to be ready for that. But, you know, the other side of it is you also hope that from your own team standpoint that you set a standard of play that is higher anyway yeah. so that you don't worry about it, you know, because ultimately it still comes down to you gotta, you gotta you got to make plays. And, you, and, and for us, we always talk about elite games. We say, look, you got to generate easier field goal attempts than your opponent. you got to make more free throws than they attempt. we got to pass them in the glass. And and then we got to win the 50-50 balls, and you got to stay out of foul trouble. You got to move your feet because those are kind of the key things that determine games for us. Especially when we're a ten feet in team, those to me are the the real key factors in us being successful on a given night. Obviously, uh, Brandeis coming up as we talked about. Who's on the other side of that tournament? It is uh, Tufts and Salem State. Okay. We started. It's called the New England Big Four Challenge. We started it. I think we're in our sixth or seventh year, and partly because, like you mentioned about exams and things, we used to try and travel this weekend, and I'd have guys, we were at the Lapata Classic, and we had guys in the you know, business center at 2 in the morning trying yeah. to do schoolwork, you know? Yeah. And I was like, well, this is definitely not helping our cause. So sure. we were already playing all these teams anyway, so we rotate the site, and, you know, it's, it's really four good programs that have all had – you know, success and, and generally are, are really tough. You know, I mean, we it was my idea, and, and we didn't win our first game until two years ago. <laughs> well done, Coach. Well done. Yeah, well done. Good thinking on that one. Thank you. <laughs> well, up after – well, well, I was just going to say, I mean, obviously those are good opponents, and it gets you going, but right after that you've also stacked the deck. You've got Amherst, and then you got your alma mater, Bates. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that, you know, one of the things we look at the non-conference is, is that – in a year, if we're going to be a good team, you know, you look at these nine or ten games, if you have a good non-conference, you know, schedule, it gets you ready for conference play, number one, but it also helps you potentially get in at large. So I kind of look at it as, yeah. hey, you know, we want to find out, you know, where we are, what we need to work on to get ready for conference play, because the only absolute is that if you win your conference tournament that you get in. Yeah. And to have a backup plan is important. And, and I think it makes these games more valuable. And then, you know, I think that the other piece of it is that you want to play good programs that, you know, you want to compete against. Sure. You know, if, you, if, you're not, if you're not pumped to play against Brandeis, you know, a UAA school or, 
you know, like, like I told our guys before, Bolton, hey, a Nescat game on the road, you know, and they're expecting to beat you. You know, like that's how they look at it. They don't look at you as a ranked team. They play great teams in the league, and hey, it's a good test for them. It's a good test for us. Yeah. And, you know, and I think that, you know, obviously having Amherst and Bates on the schedule, like you should be excited about playing in those games. And it should get you ready for conference play. And, you know, I, I think the, the other side of it, like I say, is strength of schedule. It, it can only help. When you do look at it, you got Amherst on the tenth. You don't have Bates until the thirty-first. You're going to go twenty, you know, twenty-one days there, three weeks between games. How do you get a team refocused for a big game like Bates? No matter how the game against Amherst goes, when you got that kind of gap. Yeah, I mean, I think you lose a good, you know, eight to ten days to exams. You know, like we sure. we we go into exams that 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 Saturday uh, and then that the following week. So I feel like that's. You know that's that's really for us a downtime where our guys are just focused on their academics, and then you know having that opportunity to go home. I know a lot of our guys got a couple of days of Thanksgiving, which seemed to recharge their batteries. I saw a couple of guys who actually had a little bit of life behind their eyes, you know, when they came back. So I, I think that going home is a positive, and you know you come back and we have one game to get ready for conference play, and right. why not get challenged and you know do it up at Bates, which a lot of our guys haven't played at, and. That's the, a bandbox gym that's really fun to play in. And, you know, if you get 200 people there, it's like having 2,000. So Yeah, but you're cruel. Uh, you're cruel. New Year's Eve in, in, in and around Bates? I mean. Hey, it must be nice. I moved the game up from 3 to 1. Oh, They're yeah. going to get home. You're going to get home? Because there's nothing to celebrate. It's not like you can celebrate in Bates. Well, it is in the greater L.A. area. You know, when I was a freshman up there and I yeah. 85 in L.A., you know, I was like, who cares? And I was like, oh, it's Lewis and Robert. So, you know, whatever all, makes you feel better, better, coach. <laughs> well, I think the other side of it is that, you know, like next year we're going to the University of Chicago to play that day. Last year we hosted Colby on that day. Um, so I, I think it gives us, you know, we come back on the 27th. It gives us three or four days to try and get back to being a basketball team sure. and then, you know, see what gets done. And, you know, obviously it's going to be a really difficult game. I mean, they have the Twins and uh, the kid DePelch and some other guys. So, you know, I, I think that you know, it's, there's no easy game out there. And, and like I said, with um, with the target on your back, no matter whether it's uh, you know earned or not or deserved, you just you go out there and, and you put yourself up against the best competition. And hopefully, you know, when the dust settles, we're ready to play in the new Mac and, and, and have a great run. The new Mac. Let's talk about that before we let you go. Uh, I've, I've said on record a little bit in the past few weeks. I think it's a little down this year. That's not a knock on it. It just doesn't seem like. The, the juggernaut competition at the top is going to kind of breed itself. Springfield certainly looks down. WPI seems like me enigma this year. Maybe they're good. Maybe they're not. Uh, not 100% sure. Um, we also have uh, MIT, who seems to be a little bit down. Um, what 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 do we make of the new Mac this year? Is this more of a middle-heavy conference this season? You know what? I, I think there was a lot of it, it was very top heavy with seniors last year. Yeah. You know, I mean, like I I can't replace the leadership toughness and experience that I had in Eric Dean and Dave Mack and John Wicky. Um, you know, Chris can't re- replace uh, a kid like Longwell and and you know the, the kid out at Springfield. I mean, he just willed his his team to wins, and then you know you lose basically the front line at MIT in terms of Acker and Redfield. So you know, like you're not going to replace any of those guys, especially the character and the toughness piece. So, you know, I think other guys like in any league are going to develop. You know, it's not like, you know, when 
you know, like right now, North Carolina, like they're still a pretty good team, but it's yeah. a lot of new faces, right? Yeah, so, exactly. You know, so I think I think it's one of those things where you know there, there's a lot of a lot of good players in our league, and it's going to be a matter of how they you know step up from the experience of these non-conference games, and and then they'll be competitive, you know. And I think that it's hard to paint a broad brush one way or the other. You know, certainly it's been kind of a, you know, a golden age from the standpoint that we had four teams two years ago, three teams last year. We've generally been getting two to three teams into the NCAAs every year out of eight, which is, you know, phenomenal. So, you know, we got two of the dust settles, and you also got to see what other leagues are doing too, you know. Sure. So, um, so I think that within the league, yes, there's a lot of just high-end seniors who are all-conference performers who had tremendous careers who graduated. And, and now it's up to these younger guys to step into those shoes. And like I said, you, you know, for us, you know, they were in the games last year, but they're not playing as many minutes as they are now. And it, it's a larger role, and, and it's adjustment for everybody, from the coaches down to the training staff. So I think that it's going to be very competitive. I haven't spent that much time looking, obviously, at conference teams because, obviously, we're just trying to – you know, get ourselves in line and get better right now and get ready to play Brandis. Well, I appreciate you taking the time to join us. Um, certainly hope your uh, holidays are a good one. And obviously, you'll have lots of time to enjoy them uh, as long as you're not pouring over tape too much. Um, and uh, I appreciate you taking the time. As always, we give the coach the final word. Any final thoughts you want to share with those who may be tuning in? Well, first off, as always, you know, it's, uh, it's an honor and a pleasure to be on. And as we talked about prior, you know, I hope that people will continue to support Hoopsville and you and your cause um, because it, it is the best. You're the best ambassador for Division Three men's and women's basketball. And, you know, the experiences we've had, obviously, we've been fortunate enough to be in the public eye a little bit because of some success. But you cover all Division Three, and it's one of those things for me. I hope that you're going to get back and have another campaign to – continue to improve your product and continue to get the word out that Division Three basketball is a terrific product and very competitive and, and exciting. And I think that your efforts and the efforts of, you know, your ability to fundraise and, you know, get you out to see more teams is imperative for our game because you're ultimately, you know, the, the spokesperson and, you know, we appreciate any opportunity to, you know, push out the product and, and make it better. And I, and I think that I hope that people will challenge their coaches within their league and, you know, try and help out the cause for you. Cause I think D3 hoops has been an amazing uh, site for us and for division three men's and women's basketball. And, you know, I just urge others to give and, and, and if it's made a difference at all, you know, if you get on one of the banner pages, you, you gotta, you gotta give cause it makes a difference. I know for our guys, you know, it's the first thing they look at when they get on the bus. You know, they're looking at the other scores. That's that's not done uh, as a freebie. You know, it costs money, has overhead. So I hope that people will continue to support you, and I hope that you know um, you and yours has a good holiday. And I will also put out one other plug. Uh, you know, last year, um, you know, we were on you know Hoopsville a little bit, and I and I had the opportunity to speak with you and, and to meet you down at the Final Four and. You know, your efforts to, you know, um, make us feel comfortable and, 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 you know, get to know us and our team and, and, and the kids really, really made a difference. So thank you for that. Well, thank you, Coach. You, having coaches easily come on the show makes it easier for us 
uh, as well. So I appreciate you taking the time, uh, especially when you probably have better things to do than talk to me. So <laughs> thanks so much. Good luck the rest of the way. Looking forward to seeing what you do this weekend and obviously ahead against Amerson Bates before conference play. And I'm sure we'll be talking to you at some point before the season ends. All right. Thanks, Dave. Have a great day. You too. Stephen Brennan joining us here on the Hoopsville Hotline. We'll take a break. When we come back, we'll talk. Um, I think we're talking Ohio Wesleyan basketball. I could be wrong. Who knows? We'll figure it out. You listen to Hoopsville presented by D3Hoops.com, the National Association of Basketball Coaches. More Hoopsville right after this. That's what it's all about, they say. But for those of us who are Division Three student-athletes, it's more than that. A lot more. Sure, the game is important, but as we work so hard to build both mind and body, it's more about team and the schools and communities we represent. And for the many of us blessed with the strength to compete in sport at the college level, we understand that with what we were given comes a special obligation. An obligation not merely to work towards a personal best in the classroom or in the sport we love, but rather an obligation to help those who have their own special needs and whose love for the game is no less intense. That is why NCAA Division III teamed up with Special Olympics. For Special Olympics athletes, victory belongs not only to those who first cross the line, but to all of those who compete and endure. They are challenged in ways we cannot imagine. They are survivors who test themselves harder and with greater joy than we will ever know. Since August of 2011, we and others from Division III campus communities have volunteered more than a quarter million hours, time away from the classroom and practice field, reaching across the country to coach and mentor Special Olympics athletes. And to learn, as we all do, that in giving, we receive so much more in return. Sport ennobles us, and in giving the gift of sport to those for whom it seemed an impossible dream, we are working to make this a better world. Help us keep that dream alive. Be part of it. Get involved. You can make a difference. College basketball. And welcome back to Hoopsville, everybody. Hope you're having a, a good evening. Uh, apparently cut that commercial off a little soon. My little indicator was uh, giving me a different time. Doesn't matter. Hope you're enjoying the show. Uh, if you got any questions for us or our guests, tweet us at D3Hoopsville or hashtag Hoopsville. Email us hoopsville at d3hoops.com. Join us on Facebook at facebook.com slash hoopsville. Of course, on Twitter, having a lively conversation about watching the archive of the show and eating Oreos or Hydrox. I, I don't know. This is what happens sometimes in December is the best I can go by. Um, following a lot going on, obviously, in Division Three tonight. I want to thank our guests so far on the show. We'll recap that later. You heard Coach Stephen Brennan just there at the end talk about the uh, fundraising efforts that we have done over the years. Uh, we will certainly be talking a little bit more about that uh, at the end of the show. I'm going to get to our next guest, uh, one of the teams that I th certainly got a lot of attention last night, last year, maybe, maybe peaked ahead of when everybody thought they were. And I'm not saying they peaked. I should say appeared more on the national scene, certainly won the conference title before everybody probably expected them to, was the Ohio Wesleyan battling bishops. And, uh, well, we should have fun with this conversation because Mike DeWitt's probably going to talk his team uh, off off, off a pedestal, I'm quite sure, as uh, Mike joins us on the Hoopsville Hotline. Coach, welcome to Hoopsville, sir. Hi, Dave. Thank you for inviting me on. You're anticipating uh, <laughs> our conversation. I kind of like this. Well I, I, well, I do because, listen, you were at the Hoopsville Classic a couple of years ago and obviously you had a team that had lost a bit. 
had been picked to 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 be third in the conference at the beginning of the season. You said, ah, we're not going to be third. I think you ended up third, if I remember correctly, um, or maybe even second. I I don't know. You you just like to sometimes lower expectations, and and it's what I've gotten used to. So I'm ready for lower expectations. Well, uh, I hate to disappoint you, but I'm kind of excited about my oh. team. Oh. Uh, Come on! Yeah, I apologize. <laughs> um, no, it, it's it's just, it's been a great group so far, and, and certainly as a lot of them have returned from from last year over yeah. the last two years. Um, we, you're exactly right. We we, we did. I think um, I don't want you know, use the word peak. Uh, we we evolved. I think maybe yeah. a little quicker than than I thought we would. I, I I thought we had a chance to be pretty good this year, but last year was a nice surprise. Um, got our, our our guys a lot of experience, and we were able to um, you know kind of advance some things in terms of you know kind of being a big team on everybody's schedule, um, winning the conference championship, those kind of things. So our guys were really prepared coming into this year for for all those factors that that come with with being a, a top program. Yeah, I mean, you and I had talked, and, and we knew you were going to have a good squad last season. We we knew for a fact that that was probably going to peak this year, that, that the experience was going to be there for this season. And you guys go out and win the NCAC last year. Had a two-game lead in the conference uh, at the end yeah. of it last season. Of course, your first conference title, I think, since 88. Um, yeah. You know, a lot of big things for the Battling Bishops. And it's surprising, by the way, first conference title since 88, because it's not yep. like you're not in the conversation. It just shows you how tough the conference has been, especially with Worcester and and Wittenberg. But this season, you start the season 7-0. and Maybe not to a lot of people's surprise. I kind of stayed calm, waited to see what would happen. Mm-hmm. You beat Worcester by 13. I saw some of that. It wasn't that close. It, you guys dominated Worcester last night. Yeah, let me go back to what you spoke about uh, before before we talk about the Worcester game. Um you know we, um, you know we had, we had accomplished quite a bit in our program over the past eight or nine years. Um, you know we we have made four straight NCAA tournaments, but the one thing that was kind of missing from our resume was a regular season conference championship. Mm-hmm. Simply because you have the Worcester and Wittenberg, you know, of of this world uh, in our conference. So it was nice to get over that hump a little bit last year, and then to win a good conference by two games. Uh, it was pretty satisfying for for our program. Uh, coming into this year, obviously expectations were higher. Um, we 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 knew that coming in. We obviously returned a lot of guys and returned a young man um, from two years ago who who took a year off, uh, who's really added a lot to us. So, you know, we we you know dealing with those expectations was something we talked about as a group, and I'm I'm proud of what we've done so far. Uh, going to the Worcester game last night. Um, you know, starting your conference schedule with a program like Worcester's yeah. was not optimal. No. Um, and, and it's funny, Steve, uh, Steve Moore and I, had, you know, talked about that before the game, how we both kind of wished we'd had some more time to kind of get into the conference schedule before we played, you know, we played each other, but it is what it is. And, and both of us were prepared to play. Worcester came out on fire. Uh, so did we, I, I believe the score was something like 30 to 26 Worcester, uh, 10 minutes into the game, you know, neither team could miss. Um, we were able to sustain it a little more and figure out some things defensively got a four point halftime lead, extended the lead to 20 or 22 with about five minutes to go. 
go and then you know and, and won the game I think by a total of 13 points so it was a it was a good win for us uh, to beat a program like Worcester even though Worcester is a little young they're rotating like five or six new guys into their rotation they're not quite what they were last year uh, unfortunately I think they'll get there at some point um, but it was a it was a good win to start the conference for sure. To to quote somebody from the chat boards, they said OWU is studly. I can't believe all these dudes are back from last year or last year are back. They're going to be really really tough to beat this season. Uh, that's the thing that's scary about you guys. And yes, you talk about Worcester, who's certainly um, not the juggernaut everyone is used to, and really haven't been for a couple of seasons. Uh, Wittenberg's off the pace, though. Coming back, they're on top of the conference at two and zero. Certainly yep. last year's season is behind them, and then a yep. lot of people expected that to be. Um, is this, I mean, is this, obviously everybody picked you to win it, so expectations sure. are high there, but but what are your expectations? I mean, is this one of those where like, yeah, we won the conference last year, we won the regular season last year, we have everybody back, we should be doing that again this year? Um, I mean, obviously, I mean, I'm not going to lie, yeah, I mean, our expectations, coming off a 22-6 and six season and winning the regular season championship and having a lot of guys back, obviously expectations are going to be high. But yeah. it's not an easy – It's not. I don't think it's as easy as people think it is just because you return a lot of guys, sure. you're going to be good. The guys grow a year older. They think their roles should change. Uh, team dynamics change a little bit. Um you know, and they're college kids. Like things change in their in their brains for you know, and and so we we've <laughs> talked a lot in the off season about uh, team chemistry and and understanding roles and then the intangible things that go into having a winning program. I, I I understand we have good players that are skilled that can do some things, but I think our success and even trying to be better than we were last year comes down to just some some, some very little things and. It, it, it's a challenge because you know making the next step in, in our program isn't going to involve a lot of wins and losses it's going to be about big possessions and big games and and that to do a, that much work in the off season for our you know that hopefully our guys have put in for two or three instances instances maybe at the end of the year uh, it, it, it's i don't know if it's been a tough sell but I, I, hopefully our guys have bought into that uh, yeah, I would agree. Sometimes bringing back the whole team doesn't necessarily mean, I mean, it almost feels like sometimes for teams, oh, we should just be able to do this in our sleep. Um, right. And obviously you have two tough, yeah, you know, tough what, on the road games, obviously, Denison and Hiram ahead uh, mm -hmm. in the next two, over the next 10, uh, ten days, because you'll play uh, Saturday and then Saturday again. Then the following Saturday, you're, you're playing a football schedule. Um, you'll play <laughs> Kenyon at home before going to Transylvania. Uh, and yep. then taking your holiday break, you're not traveling anywhere uh, right. this year. What's so? What's the message to the team the rest of the, of this of this run? You got two more conference games, obviously three more conference games. I'm sorry, and then one out of conference before you take that break. Obviously, you want to finish strong, but what are the internal messages, internal goals to this team before you get done with the game on the 22nd? Yeah. I, I... You know, I think we we honestly don't talk about our record, our ranking, anything like that. I, I'm, I'm I know our guys are aware of that. Um, <laughs> I think it's hard we, not to. <laughs> yeah, and but we we just try to focus on the process of 
you know, winning basketball games, winning every possession, winning halves, and then the rest of that stuff will come. Uh, when we when we talked at the beginning of this week, obviously with Worcester on Wednesday, we didn't address the team as saying we have a big game on Wednesday. We said we have a big week going playing Worcester and then going to Denison because Denison is a very, very good basketball team. Uh, and, and, and that, that's going to be a great game on Saturday, but we just, we're, we're just trying to, we keep trying to get better every single day in practice. Um, we are improving over the course of our season in terms of, I think our work, we played much better against Worcester than we did against Otterbein when we opened up, um, so that's a good sign, but we, we uh, you know, I know it's a cliche, but we're just taking it one practice at a time, one game at a time, and, and taking the next challenge that presents itself in front of us. You guys had uh, two preseason All-Americans. There were only three from the Great Lakes to begin with. Not that there's a ton of room on these preseason All-American lists to begin with, um, yep. but you did have two. Um, they led by, uh, on third team by Claude Gray. Uh, and then on the fifth team, or honorable mention, I say Nate Axelrod. Of course, everyone talks about those guys, and they talk about the rest of this squad as well. I mean, it's deep. Uh, you, obviously, you bring back a ton of talent. Um, and when you look at the stats and you look at the leaders, um, it's not surprising to see Claude Gray leading the team at 16 points a game. Um, you, it's not surprising to see Seth Clark at 15 points a game. Nate, Nate, Nate Axelrod. 15 points a game, 14 points from Ben Simpson, four guys solidly in double figures, and you're getting another eight points from Matt Jeske and another uh, seven points from Joy Kinsley off the bench. So we've mm -hmm. talked about the starters and a guy off the bench, um, and you've got at least two others you'll go every game. So you're about an eight-man rotation on most games. Yep. Are you worried in any way about depth, or are you comfortable with the depth? Um, I uh... <laughs> going into the season, depth was a concern for us because uh, we played our starters a ton of minutes last year. Yeah. Um, so we have tried to develop that depth, and, and I think we're getting better. In fact, again, in the Worcester game, our four guys that, that we brought off the bench all had two, at least two field goals. Um, so we, we went to our bench and we certainly didn't lose anything. And I think those guys are getting better. And, you know, as a coach, that's a challenge because our, our top five guys are, are really pretty good. Um, and I want to keep those guys in the game all the time, but I, I have to take a big picture look sure. at it sure. and rest of those guys um and, and get and trust my other guys to 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 do well and then i'm i'm developing that trust in, in our guys and i obviously i think they appreciate that but they we're getting deeper uh as the year goes on and i think that's a that's going to be a plus for us. Like I, I, we were able to use some depth against Illinois Wesleyan last Saturday, uh, and certainly against Worcester on Wednesday. And, and I think that's a, going to be a key to our success is being able to rotate eight or nine guys into the game and, and not lose a beat. When we let's let's look at the starting five, and it's and it's Gray, Clark, Axelrod, Simpson, and Jeske right now. Yep. Obviously, um, Axelrod and Gray getting the preseason nods on the All American list tells you the talent that they have. We know that even from last year. But what's the intricacies of this starting five? What's the 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 maybe the nuances about this group that makes them so special? That's that's gotten you guys to this point. I, I think the, the key word we use is versatility. Um, we have. 
you know, you talked about Claude Gray and Nate Axelrod. Um, you know, Claude can play a variety of positions and defend a, a variety of positions for us. Uh, ben Simpson, who I think is our fourth leading scorer, but is averaging a double double for mm-hmm. us, um, is a is a really difficult matchup for teams. Uh, we do play, you know, what is commonly referred to now as small ball. Like Matt Jeske is a six four five man, and Ben is six hmm. five at the four spot. We're smaller. We shoot more threes than twos. Uh, we spread the floor and then try to take advantage a little bit of our, our quickness and athleticism and, and shooting ability because we don't have a true low post score. So, you know, we have guys that can play a lot of different spots and we can go with a lot of different lineups to, to take advantage of what we, what we see as mismatches. Um, how much, and, you, and I, go ahead. I was just saying, how much are you taking a page out of Steven's point from last year then? Yeah, we we would be very similar to them, quite honestly. Um, we, you know, we don't defend nearly as well right now, which which we're talking about. <laughs> I don't think anybody defends point. that well. They were awesome last year, <laughs> um, and and I think you know that's that's something we we are working on. But I think offensively, we're really really good, and in, in, in the fact that we have we put five guys on the floor that can shoot, pass, dribble. Uh, you know, drive and and I think that does cause a, cause a problem, some problems for some teams, especially with teams that have, you know, your traditional six 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 seven big strong low post guy who might not be able to, you know, move his feet quickly enough. Yeah. Like we 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 try to exploit those mismatches as much as we can. And then you got everybody else. We mentioned Kinsley and Davis started or have played in seven games. So it was John Griggs. He's played in seven yeah. games. Uh, you got a handful of other guys who've played four. What you know, we talked about the depth, but what about these guys that come off the bench? What are you expecting from them, and what can they bring to the table that's going to help you long term? Yeah, I think the the mentality we want those guys to have is to come off the bench and you know extend leads and uh, attack and not necessarily just hold on and rest the starters um and you know sometimes when you're a player that's coming off the bench you know you, you don't have a lot of confidence you, you don't think the coach you know has a lot of confidence in you um those kind of things we want we i would like our guys coming off the bench to feel confident to make plays to to do what they can do to do it we see every day in practice um and like i said that's that's a work in progress but i think we're, we're getting better better at that for sure talking with uh, mike dewitt here of the sixth ranked ohio wesleyan uh, battling bishops men's basketball team off to a 7-0 start 1-0 in the conference you look over the roster you've got five seniors you got a whole mess of juniors of course nate axelrod's a sophomore um you're building certainly for the future but is there a sense that this is the year to take advantage of things right now um not necessarily, but that, I mean, I think that's a great question. I mean, we start two sophomores and a junior and yeah. two seniors. So, I mean, and then a lot of the guys, a couple of the Joey Kinsley and uh, Zaki Davis are both seniors coming off the bench. So I, I think we'll be able to sustain uh, some things even after this year. But, you know, obviously for our seniors, kids like Claude and, and Matt, who and, and our other other two seniors, they've put in a, a lot of time. You say you want to have as much success as you can for those guys because yeah. those guys are making sacrifices. Ray, you know, has kind of developed from someone who is just a scorer into someone who makes plays for his teammates. And, um, you know, he might not score as many points for us this year, but he's a better basketball player. And, and for a kid like that to make a sacrifice like that uh, for his teammates, like you want him to have success and you want the team to have success just uh, 
you know, just because those sacrifices are being made. Um, looking at the out-of-conference and then into conference, you know, you've already played seven, as we mentioned, obviously six of them out-of-conference, and, and it's a who's-who list to some extent of either recent success or current success. Um, granted, Otterbein's is struggling at one and five. They haven't been really in the conversation, but they're one of those teams in the OAC that can always ruin somebody's mm-hmm. day. Capital has struggled, though. They're, we're not that far removed from 19-win teams, um, right. but they've obviously struggled as of late, and, of course, without Damon Goodwin, this season almost one of these teams that in the conference there's a few talking about them um Mm -hmm. they're off to a rough start but you never know but then you got into it um calvin granted two and three but obviously coached vanderstreet well coached in a team that did lose some from last year but is going to be in the mix trine who's probably going to be in the mix as well they're four and one on the season uh, finished second in the conference with Hope last season, and and one who I think is going to be a dark horse, Illinois Wesleyan. Do we need to say anything more? Uh, the Titans no. are always in the conversation, <laughs> yeah. and then obviously Worcester out of conference. You continue on with Transylvania, who's a little bit removed from the heyday. I, I'd love to. See, Brian Lane would love to get that team back in order, but yeah. they're not there yet. So, what was the mentality for the beginning of this season? Well, the, with with the Capital and Otterbein games, those are local right. rivals for us. That yep. are, you know, again, cliche. You can throw this throw the records out the window <laughs> because all the kids all the kids know each other. Yeah. Um, you know, and then you know, like you hit it on the head about Otterbein. They're good, they're I think going to rebuild and be good. Capital is four and two right now. It's not like they're no. a bad team. And you know, if I can throw a shout out, their interim head coach is Andy Winters, who's yes. a former All American for us, who's doing a great job. And and Damon absence um and then obviously we're all thinking about damon as he fights cancer and and then those things um you know and then we played as you said alma calvin and trine who were picked fourth third and second respectively in the miaa so we were trying to play you know some some pretty good teams and we're fortunate to get through that stretch trying trying especially trying to really good basketball team like mm-hmm. that, that they shouldn't be under anybody's radar they're Brooks Miller is a great young coach, um, and we were we played probably one of our best games of the year to beat them, and we were at home. But they're, they're going to be very, very good. And the Illinois Wesleyan game was a, a game Coach Rose called, and uh, you know wanted to set up a you know a, a good interregional game. I was all for it. They're going to come back to our place next year. Nice. That was just kind of a fun game uh, to play. I think a lot of you know. National Division Three basketball fans like to see those games, yeah. um, and 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 Ron initiated that, and I heartily agree. So that you know, and to go there for our program was kind of a special thing, um, and then to be fortunate enough to to beat a good basketball team on the road in the Shirt Center was, you know, certainly you know I think eye opening for our guys that we could do this, um, and then obviously with Worcester, you know, starting the conference season, we're obviously going to play them. But yeah, you, you talk about going. Back Back to back with back to back to back with Calvin, Trine, Illinois Wesleyan, Worcester. Uh, that's been a good stretch for us, and then to come out of there with those four wins, uh, you know, that's why I'm feeling pretty confident about our team right now. Ron Rose just called, texted me. He says he's canceling your game next year. No, I'm just kidding. He didn't, he didn't text, text me. He can't do that. Yeah, I had a feeling you'd hold his hold his feet to the fire on that one. No, I not Ron's not that kind of guy. Um, no, he's not. Quickly, before we let you go, what do you expect then of the conference? Obviously, you've gotten the big behemoth in Worcester done, and you got the win at home. That is certainly important yeah. to get things going and get a leg up. You you basically have a game-and-a-half lead, for lack of a better description, on them. Obviously, you're, you're a half game behind Wittenberg, who's already played two in conference right now. 
You have Dennis and Hiram and Canyon ahead, not necessarily the behemoths at the top, but you can't overlook anybody. And then you'll no. start the conference play in January with Wittenberg, and, and we'll go the rest of the way. But what are you actually expecting? If you guys aren't the ones who win this conference regular season, who is the team that you're worried about the most? Yeah, that's that's a good question. I I, I checked this before I so I came on the air with you. <laughs> you know um, what I'm going to ask you. <laughs> yeah, of we have ten teams in our conference. Of those ten, eight right now have a winning record yep. or a 500 above record outside the conference. Um, and I know our conference doesn't quite get talked about like the CCIW or the the, the Wisconsin conference or the, even the UAA in terms of overall strength, but our conference is really, really competitive. Absolutely. Uh, um, and, and, you know, you know, you talk about Worcester and then I think Wittenberg will reemerge this year after a tough year last year, mm-hmm. but, uh, you know, Wabash and DePaul are always going to be good. Uh, Denison, as we I, I talked about a little bit earlier, they're they're a good basketball team. They're four and one against Division three, and they only lost to Davidson by thirteen um, in their Division one game. So you can go on and on down the line and and talk about how, how good our conference is. So I can't give you one team to answer your question. Um, I you know I know we were picked to win, but I think there's any one of six or seven teams that can be in the conversation at any point during the season. And that's why it's important just to focus on every single game and just, just do the best you can every time you, you step on the floor. I mean, the craziness, Allegheny is 1-6 and six overall. They're 1-0 oh in the conference because they broke their their losing streak against Hiram. Yeah. I mean, and yeah. again, not necessarily the top of the conference, but anything's possible. I've already said it, and I've said it on other people's shows. Uh, like uh, Ryan Whitnables, I, I mm-hmm. this conference is what I think is going to be fascinating to watch this season, uh, all the way through. So I'm looking forward yep. to it. Um, by the way, two quick notes. One, we always do have a battling bishops women's basketball jersey over our shoulder. In case anybody's curious, wonder the heck's yes. over my shoulder. Uh, we we certainly love that jersey. It just kind of caught my eye today as I'm talking to you. I'm like, hey, wait, that is over my shoulder. It is anyway. The other thing too is I keep getting sent. I keep asking your SID for for a new picture of you just to yeah, make sure I've awful. got the, the one you're showing right now is awful. That's the one he sent me, Mike. I think yeah. you're paying them off to send in the non gray look. Well, I would just like something that's more recent than 12 years ago. Because <laughs> you've got a heck of a grin on uh, that picture, too, by the way. I do. I, I would like to think I've aged. I, I'd like to think I've aged somewhat gracefully and don't look <laughs> that bad that our sports information director is afraid to send out. <laughs> hey, I, I love Mark, but I went and checked his email just to make sure I had clicked on the right link. And, and that was the one he gave me. So I just want to say, I think you might be being calm about it. I think you're paying him off. I think you want the young, the young gun look. Well, I think he, I think he sent you that picture just so we would mention him on. The I mean, that might be true too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Fair point. Fair point indeed. Hey, well, I appreciate you coming on the show. I know I will catch up to you at some point in time, even yep. if it's in Salem, just enjoying the games. Uh, I thank you. I should mention if anybody's curious, obviously former uh, national committee chair, I'm sure you've enjoyed having your time back. By the way, last year we talked, yep. you said you still hadn't gotten used to not watching games on the West Coast. Have you yet to get used to not watching games? <laughs> When you don't have to? Uh, not really. No. I've, watched, I've actually tried to watch Whitworth a couple times. <laughs> uh, Trinity and I, I and Chicago out when they played out at yep. uh, Puget Sound. Yeah. No, that's that's a habit. That's tough to break. You know what? Right you now. need you need to have what happened to me. I have doctor's orders that I'm not allowed to have a computer, iPhone, or iPad open after midnight. Um, <laughs> so I can't watch those West Coast games right now. 
Um, you, I, if you want, I'll call, have my doctor call, uh, write you a note. That'd be good. I, I, I'm not sure. I, I don't think I have the self-discipline to do that at this point. So uh, I, I, I have the I want to sleep at night idea in my head. So, uh, <laughs> no. Well, thanks so much for coming on. I really appreciate it, as always. As you know, I give the coach the final word. Any final thoughts you want to share with those watching? Um, if I could uh, have tape recorded what Coach Brennan said, uh, I would play that right now. Um, I just thought he was so eloquent in what he said about you and about Hoopsville and, and the things you do for, for Division Three. And uh, I hope when, when and if another fundraising campaign comes that you get supported like you did last time. And um, I think I speak for a lot of coaches, certainly, and student-athletes that we really appreciate uh, all you all you do for us. And Coach Brennan said that a lot much, a lot better than I just did. But <laughs> thank, thank you very much for, for what you do. Well, thank you. Uh, hearing it from him was certainly nice, but to hear it from you as well, is, it means a lot to me. So thank you very much. Um, good luck the rest of the way. I know I'll be chatting with you, even if it's off air. And uh, uh, yep. take care. Have a good holiday. Thanks, Dave. You too. All right, Mike. Mike DeWitt joining us here on the Hoopsville Hotline. Appreciate him taking the time. Again, battling Bishops off to a 7-0 start. 1-0 in conference with a big win over Worcester. Again, that 13-point spread I don't think really indicates how big a win that is. Uh, they're on the road for the next two in conference, then return for a game in conference against Kenyon, and then uh, on the road against Transylvania. Mike DeWitt and Brian Lane in the same room. That's going to be that's going to be fun to watch before they return from the holiday break and get into conference play. We'll keep an eye on the battling bishops. Number six right now in the top 25. Uh, certainly worthy of that. Uh, we'll see just how good they are as the season progresses. Uh, fun to have him on the show. I want to thank Coach for doing that. Um, not going to normally take – normally I would take another break here and we'd wrap up the show, but it's already 9 o'clock, so we'll just kind of go into our final segment of the show now without taking a break. Um, lots going on. We talked about the number of uh, losses in Division Three um, that we've had. Um, we're checking out scores around Division Three tonight. I wanted to, by the way, point out – we talked about St. John Fisher earlier – Something that, you know, and, and losing to RIT, um, something that, you know, I, I every once in a while I'll reach out to a coach just to kind of get his point of view on things, as it were. And basically, uh, Coach Corniker got back to me and said, um, uh, lacking energy and intensity, um, thinking maybe that they were better uh, than they really are. Um, you know, what made them successful at the Hoopsville Classic is they worked hard on both ends of the floor. And that didn't happen against RIT. You know, we hear a lot about that. And I think you heard a little bit from Mike DeWitt there as well from Ohio Wesleyan. You you got teams that maybe rest on their laurels a little bit too much. You can see that happen early in the season. You can see that happen late in the season. You can see that from season to season. You know, Mike DeWitt's got an absolutely awesome basketball team. Can they keep focus on what they are doing after such a successful season that wasn't necessarily anticipated last year um, with – St. John Fisher there, the idea that they've got to uh, adjust there just a little bit um, and, and focus on, hey, you're not that good. And by the way, remember, Tyler Hart has been out. He's only played one game. Uh, don't know how long he's going to be out. Uh, I'm not sure why he's out. Injured, most likely. I mean, that's the obvious answer. But no no idea why. So now you got to adjust to that. And, and, and you need to realize that you're not just as good as you think you are or you're reading or someone like me says you are. Uh, it, you have a big target on your back. And so interesting enough there about St. John Fisher losing uh, and what Mike DeWitt was talking about trying to keep things going, uh, as it were. Um, on the other side of things, uh, just some scores from around Division Three tonight kind of make me take notice. I don't have a score out of Texas Tyler and Howard Payne. 
Uh, Rochester and Geneseo State are playing right now. Uh, rough first half. Uh, Geneseo leads 26-24. That was 20 minutes ago, so halftime's probably over and they're underway. Um, both teams are shooting below 40%, so not a great night in that one, and that's part of the Wendy's Classic. Um, McDaniel, um, interesting enough, McDaniel and F&M were playing in women's basketball. The only reason I bring that up is I got an interesting text uh, regarding that game, and apparently uh, referees have an impact at the end. I'm not sure what's going on. Uh, Mass Boston has won their sixth straight to start the season with an 84-80 win over uh, Bridgewater State. Um, Pekins went on a 10-0 run in overtime to win that one. So an interesting note. Otherwise, not a lot of games that jump out of me on the women's side tonight. Um, quickly looking through some things. Uh, Ursinus women beat Dickinson 59-49. Not sure what that means, but it kind of jumps out at me. Um, yeah, nothing else really like, oh, wow, you know, big score there. At least not that I can see right now. But Mass Dartmouth off to another terrific start this season. Got a 15-point win over Worcester State. Um, so, you know, big games there. Men's side of things, WPI got another win with a 59-50 win over Framingham State. Um, Daniel Webster is in a weird battle with Pine Manor. Not one I would have expected. Pine Manor, remember, in their first, I think they're in their first season, right? Somebody remind me? Uh, yeah, first season. Um, uh, other games that are jumping out at me, North Central's up on Platteville big right now, early in the second half, uh, 41-23. Platteville's supposed to be a little bit better than that, though North Central has certainly gotten some big wins this season that's been impressive. Uh, Williams got a win over Union. Williams might be kind of sneaky good in the NESCAC. Maybe they're finally returning after losing a lot. Speaking of which, have you noticed Duncan Robinson doing very well for Michigan right now? Um, but Williams off to a 5-0 and start. Um, big game with Wesleyan out of conference coming up. Wesleyan out of conference coming up. Oyana State as well. Springfield and Ursinus uh, down at Catholic before they get back into conference play. But Williams might be kind of what we're talking about in the NESCAC here coming up. Um, Johnson and Wales all over Suffolk. Johnson and Wales may be the, may be the team to watch out of GNAC. Albertus Magnus lost a lot, certainly brought some talent back and got some transfers, but Johnson & Wales looks really good this season. Speaking of which, Albertus Magnus won 84-73 over Emmanuel. Um, Elms took a loss. after uh, Elms has had a crazy season. Another loss that jumps out of me, Salem State beat MIT. There were some who were voting MIT in the top 25. They lost a lot. And you heard Stephen Brennan talk earlier in the show about um, what the senior leadership that a lot of schools in the new MAC lost between last year and now. And MIT is an example of that. MIT now, third loss on the season, I believe, uh, if I look at this correctly. Yeah, 5-3 and three on the season. They've lost to Harvard. Can't knock them for that necessarily. And also lost to Eastern Nazarene. Eastern Nazarene, by the way, off to a roaring start. Uh, talk to somebody close to that program. Says, oh, just hold your horses a little bit. But Eastern Nazarene out to a 7-0 and start. They haven't beaten a ton of incredible teams, let's be honest. Uh, but certainly a nice start. But MIT losing yet again. So something to keep an eye on there uh, is just how tough will the new Mac really be uh, at the top. Hartwick with a win over Bard. That's nice to see. Um, and that's about it from on the men's and women's side of basketball tonight. Kind of a quiet night. Kind of not unsurprising this time of year. Uh, we get into conference play. We tend to get a little bit more games, especially out of the South region and the Texas area. Um, to talk about uh, than, than we do right now. Reminder, we'll be back on the air Sunday. Um, we will be 
Our plan right now, obviously 24 hours in advance, is we'll be up at the Wendy's Classic in Rochester. So when we come back on Sunday, we'll have two interviews from up there, one with a men's team and one from a women's. Uh, don't want to say automatically it's the winners of the Wendy's Classic because if Robert Wesleyan wins those games, nothing against Robert Wesleyan. The Division Two will be talking to Division Three teams instead. Um, but you know, who those guests will be will be determined later. Uh, we'll also work on some other guests as well. We are then on the air again a week from tonight. It'll be the last Thursday show for three weeks. Um, we hit the air on December 10th, and then due to Gallardi Trophy and Stag Bowl coverage in Salem, and then Christmas and New Year's, and obviously New Year's returning from um, uh, Vegas, we will not be back on the air on a Thursday show, on a Thursday show until January 7th. So we will take one, two, three, actually technically four weeks off. So we'll do a show on the 10th, and then the Thursday shows don't return for another four weeks. That's pretty much why we went with Sunday shows now in the beginning of the year, because if we had gone off the air on the 10th, we wouldn't have been back on the air until January 3rd, three and a half weeks later. So that's why the Sunday shows return uh, are on the air. So we're on the air, obviously, the 6th. We'll be on the other 10th, 13th, and 20th. So four more hoops stills left in this part of the season and plenty to talk about obviously uh obviously don't forget to follow us on facebook twitter and everywhere else we may be starting an instagram account for all we know that's apparently what you're supposed to do um uh, but we'll we'll be working on that uh, but don't forget twitter at d3 hoopsville and hashtag hoopsville facebook is facebook.com slash hoopsville and email us hoopsville at d3 hoops.com um William Patterson, again, on the men's side, losing New Jersey City. Not really sure what's going on there. Not sure if the team is is struggling to stay together. It's a good team. We'll see if what really happens there. That's certainly getting attention. But per that, there's discussion about that forfeited game against Ramapo. How does that affect things in the grander scheme? How does that affect things in the conference in, ten, in terms of conference standings? How does the NCAA approach that game? How does that game get affect with regional rankings, with SOS data, uh, results versus regionally ranked opponents, um, you you know common opponents, etc. I have reached out to the NCAA. Was told that this week that they would be looking at that. Apparently, I got an email today saying they need to continue to look at it. It's now been pushed to next week to make a decision, possibly on that, to get the right people together and have a conversation about that game. So that game's still in limbo, and I said it before. If they decide that that's a loss, that has a lot of ramifications, but it also eliminates some of the ramifications as well. It doesn't have a weird SOS effect. It, it You just have a loss technically versus results versus region-ranked opponents and common opponents, et cetera. If they go down as a no contest, that's when things get different. If it goes down as a no contest as if the game never happened and the schools decide not to try and replay it, and mainly the conference decides not to replay it. Remember in the NJAC, this is the, the the conference that in football had two games rained out due to a, a, a storm that went up the coast. Salisbury and TCNJ never played their game over or remade their game. Wesley and Southern Virginia did do that. Wesley got the win, but because they lost to Salisbury, ended up a loss behind Salisbury for the conference title, even though they had more wins in conference. So, NJAC's got a lot of challenges with these kinds of things. Um, Terry Small is going to have to probably tackle this if they determine it a no contest. Um, how does that affect conference races and et cetera? So, interesting dichotomy there to figure out. We will keep you abreast of that. Uh, and as, and the other news that we brought you at the beginning of the show, 
Keep an eye on Ithaca. At what I have been told is that Ithaca College is on the move to the Liberty League. That the presidents have to vote on it and should have already, but they have delayed it due to the fact that there is a protest on campus asking for their president to be ousted. Um, and at the same time, um, a death on the campus that is that is uh, certainly shook that campus. So out of respect, the vote has been delayed. But I have been told that unless something crazy happens, Ithaca will be going to the Liberty League after next season. So starting 17-18. I've been told that Empire 8 coaches have been told to expect two less conference games and to schedule accordingly. Assuming or with the information that Ithaca is out of the Empire 8 and moving to the Liberty League. That's more of a football move than anything else, um, but something to keep in mind. I think that's going to do it for us. We're going to wrap up the show. I want to thank you all for tuning in. Again, we'll be on the air Sunday. If you're at the uh, if you're at Rochester for the Wendy's Classic uh, and you happen to see me, make yourself known. Um, looking forward, one, to go to the Palestra for the first time. Um, at the same time, looking forward to seeing some teams that I haven't seen play in person either. Um, Stephen Brennan mentioned it and Mike DeWitt briefly mentioned it. We talked about the fundraiser. We are looking to do that fundraiser yet again. We've gotten a lot of encouragement to do that this year. Um, the fundraiser allows us to do things like travel to Rochester to see the Wendy's Classic. It allows us maybe this January to go to Texas. Yeah, you heard that right. I may be traveling to the NCAA convention. As a result, we'll try and get some games in while I'm out there at the convention in San Antonio. That's an idea. And there's even a possibility of the third weekend I might be able to travel outside the NCAA tournaments. And then when it comes to NCAA tournament time, getting a chance to go to games. I personally love to go broadcast games, but getting a chance to go see some games. And the ramification of that is it doesn't come, in, it doesn't come out of my family's pocket, as it were, um, and it doesn't necessarily come out of the D3Hoops.com pocket. So I don't have to go to Pat and others and say, hey, would you pay for me to go on a trip? Um, this is a way for you guys to help us go see more teams and, as a result, broadcast better about Division Three. We will certainly talk more about the fundraising efforts down the road. Um, they are coming up down, you know, later on. They aren't coming up right now, um, but we will get to that. I just wanted to bring it up because Stephen Brennan made such a point about it, and obviously Mike DeWitt as well. And obviously our guest in, uh, with uh, with Messiah was based on last year's fundraiser as well. Um, so with that note, I want to thank all the guests who appeared on tonight's show. From Messiah, the women's basketball coach Mike Miller. From WashU, women's coach Nancy Fay. From uh, Babson, men's basketball coach Stephen Brennan. And from Ohio Wesleyan, uh, coach Mike DeWitt. Uh, who clearly was listening to the show. Uh, I want to thank all of you for tuning in as well. Um, we'll see you back here on Sunday evening, 7 o'clock. Looking forward to it as always. You're listening to, you've are listening. you been listening to Hoops Hope, presented by D3Hoops.com, the National Association of Basketball Coaches. Thank you for tuning in. We'll see you back here Sunday night for more Hoops Hope.